This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. It is 537 of the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast. Kurt Geyer speaking. Eric Hammond. Doug Schmidt. We're all in here. The studio looks a little different. That's right. It's got a new painted wall. Doug, you didn't say anything about the wall. Looks great. Do you like it better? Oh, yeah. Way better. I think we should paint that big red wall out there black, too. Yeah, you should find someone to hey, do that. Hey, <laughs> real question is, what's this wee shit? Because I don't paint. Hey, Chris J came in and helped me paint this. Who's we? Who's we? You got a turd in your pocket? All right, I'll paint it. <laughs> Hire a bunch of midgets to come help me. No, no offense to any midgets listening. Um, it's a 13-foot wall. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> hey, guys, hunting season is underway. It is. It's, it's here. happening right now. We are in almost one week of season. Uh, in real time, there's a cold front coming this weekend, and y'all motherfuckers better be hunting. Check. That's Are you right. taking deer cask? I have been. Better wearing some hunt work. It's going to be chilly. It's going to be chilly. Nice. Real nice. It's going to be good. It's going to feel like November. It's, it's, it is. The first weekend, well, the first full weekend after a week of deer season is yep. in, and I'm contemplating hunting in the morning. Yeah. I hunted one already. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shit. He, he really doesn't want to eat that chip. He's hunting mornings already. Well, this podcast, I think, going in, there's a lot of great information in this podcast. I really enjoyed this episode with Gary. Um, the dude knows a ton about tracking deer with dogs. I think mm-hmm. you guys will learn a bunch. He, I, I think he clears up some misconceptions. Of course, there'll some, be somebody that always disagrees or agrees or whatever. But enjoy. hope you enjoy this episode. Um, make you think about shot placement and tracking and all that stuff. Um, the podcast is brought to you by Elite Archery. That's right. You guys know this title partner for Working Class Bowhunter. Very proud to uh, be working with them. We're all shooting the Envision. They've yep. been doing work already this year, so hopefully we can we've been tipping shit the, over. Put them to the ringer again. We have been tipping shit over. Um, it's a great feeling, isn't it? Yep. Uh, the podcast also brought to you by Huntworth Camo and Gear. Um, we're rocking Huntworth. I have recently from the Elk Hunt been rocking that vest. Have you? I've never been a vest guy, but it was like one of those situations where you don't want to take as much gear with you, mm-hmm. and it's chilly in the mornings, gets warm during the day, and then chilly at night, and the vest is like the perfect solution for that. Yeah. 
And it's great for an archery hunter, you know? It is for sure. So, vest is not a bad look either. I like the vest. I've never been a, I'll never I wear do, a vest like around. to a bar, but a I hunting do. vest is the move. Larry's changed my mind. I hear you. I hear you. Huntworth, we have a code WCB15. If you want to try out Huntworth gear, they have a lot of get great stuff. Um, we're very proud of that partnership mm-hmm. and uh, we love the gear, man. We just, we really do. Um, podcast also brought to you by Old Barn Taxidermy. Um, they have the G2 forms out now. If you are nowhere near an Old Barn Taxidermy location, ask your taxidermist if they can order a G2 form. Uh, just got my eight pointer back, G2 form. Real nice. We have, there's probably four or five deer. Yeah, you're bringing that buck to the studio? Yeah. We probably have, well, that'll be like six then deer yeah. on G2 forms in our studio. So um, they look great. We get tons of compliments on them. Um, your taxidermy is a lot like a tattoo. It is. People compliment you when you have a nice one, and people kind of cringe and don't even look at them when you got some bad ones. Hate to see it. It's a damn shame. <laughs> it is. Dude, nothing's worse than that. That's why guys' wives hate taxidermy. You get some bunk-ass-looking shit. And no, yeah. No wonder. They look good in the house. <laughs> yeah, look good in the house. <laughs> no. No, not looking good. The shit is this. Um, we're very proud. Uh, by the way, I've seen a press release that we re-signed with Victory Archery. Like, we're in the press. We're in the archery press. I didn't send that link to anybody. No, I didn't even see it. <laughs> Somebody else sent it to me. I didn't even know what was out there. <laughs> it was like the Thermoseat press release. We re-signed yep. the Thermoseat. We re-signed with Victory um, for everybody that wants Who's to know. Who's doing this research? The people, man. <laughs> um, the people. Hot damn. I was getting to, we're very proud. We just uh, re-signed with Loophole to Optics. I'm very proud of that partnership as well. Um, Top-tier company, man. Great people. Um, Super proud. Everything Lupul does is the shit. God, it really is. Their optics are great. Their rangefinders are great. Their performance eyewear is great. Their merch is great. They can make anything and I'm buying. I'm rocking 12 by 50s right now. Are you? From your all kind? BX4s. Yeah, I've been been rocking them. Oh, nice. And I enjoy them. I I like my 10 by 42s. You know, that's like the whitetail optic. Yeah, the go-tos. I just like the, the 12 by 50s. They're doing good. I like them. Good. I haven't been like, man, it's too much. You know, I'm enjoying it. I think it's my eyesight's getting bad. <laughs> that could be it. <laughs> I don't know. Um, podcast also brought to you by Spy Point. My Spy Point cameras are going off right fucking now. I'm not kidding. I just got three photos in the last eight minutes from three different locations. So that cold Anything front good? is coming. Let's check. Anything good? Let's check. We got... Um, Yep, we got a good buck coming out of one of my fields. Um, he's way out there. 140. 300 inches. 140. Holy shit. We got a little buck. You say 300? We got a oh. a doe and a my food plot. Four pictures of the doe and the food plot. Check that out. I'm on the Big Time app. They have the Insiders Club. You can favorite photos. You can do HD and you can Time filter out. it back. Um, you said Big Time app. I did? Yeah. Spy Point app. I'm at. <laughs> I was looking at pictures looking of at a deer. Big time plot. I was. I actually was. <laughs> I was looking at a deer in my big time. It plot. leads us into our next sponsor. Anyway, just Spy Point. This working great. Yeah. The new Flex, spy great point camera. App. And uh, if you have big time, you put your <laughs> Spy Point and your big time plot, and you double down, brother. See what we did? These partnerships aren't by accident. No, you know they're meant for each other. We picked people that would actually talk we, to us, and then we were like, we crossing streams. It'd be really great if we could work together because. We're broke. Uh, <laughs> don't, don't pull that. <laughs> We're broke, man. We are broke. Um, Novix tree stands. Um, I hung a Hilo. I hung an Echo on the Geyer farm. 
We heard the cult leader came out and helped out with that, actually. You're just never doing anything. No, what does he like, do? Hey, you want to come check out this property with me? Yeah, I'll be there in three hours. He okay. runs guess, a cult, dude. I guess if you're a cult leader, you literally have Don't all, to do anything. Yeah, you do whatever you want. Dude, Novix is the shit. Um, I like the stick quiver, man. I haven't used it yet. I'm a big fan. I'm a big, big fan. I don't think uh, the full lengths fit in them, do they? Yeah, they do. I got some in right now. The doubles. Um, and oh. you can make the double steps fit in them. You just got to be creative. Offset them? Yeah, you can be creative. But well, I got... Um, so I have a... A pre-hung helo, I have a pre-hung echo, but then I keep a helo ready to go, like one, Locked in, the, and one in the chamber for when you got to make a move. Nothing's worse if you leave your mobile set up mm-hmm. in a tree and you're like, I got to go pull it to make a move. Yep. Just more intrusion than you need. So that's a tip. Um, use code WCB22. Save yourself some money. We'll be hanging on some notes. echoes here Friday. Yep. I like it. I like it. All right, boys, let's get to this episode. Let's do it. I'm Chase Rolson with Rubline Marketing. This is Jeff Lindsay. This is Michael Pitt. Hey everybody, it's John Dudley from Knock On TV. Hey guys, this is Jared Scheffler from Whitetail Adrenaline. Hi, I'm Taylor Drury from Drury Outdoors. Hey, this is Nick Munt from Bow Collector. Hey, this is Melissa Buckman. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter podcast. Working class bow hunter podcast. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. You're listening to the working class bow hunter. That's right. This is the podcast for Billy Joe Lunch Bucket, the working man, just like me and you. My name's Travis T. Bone Turner from the Bone Collector. Thank you for tuning in. Nobody pushes the envelope like working class bow hunter. It's really, really not that good. Working class bow hunter podcast. Kurt Geyer is here. Eric Common. Doug Schmidt. And we have a special guest in the studio. Gary Blessing, the partner. We say partner to Diesel the Deer Tracking Dog. Partner's a good word. <laughs> um, like employee, fellow employee. <laughs> I'm his boss. Co-worker. I'm his boss. <laughs> the supervisor. Yeah. So um, we met last fall. Yeah. Um, you were tracking a deer for a buddy, yeah. and it just kind of lined up. You're like, man, we should do a podcast. And basically, it was like, yeah, we definitely should. And uh, here you are. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I thanks for making the drive. Yeah. Thank you. Absolutely. You're an Illinois based. I am. I'm so, out of Morris. Okay. Illinois. So people that are listening. In the Midwest, we're just jumping right into it here, sure. and, we'll, and we'll just unravel more as we go, right? We'll be efficient here. There's a lot to cover. We're going to go through Patreon uh, questions. We're going to go through some Instagram questions. Uh, Patreon first. Shout out to you guys there. Um, you have a deer tracking dog. You track deer. Is is all over the Midwest, fair to say? I wouldn't say all over the Midwest. I, I, I travel as much as my schedule and time allows. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, you know, I've been in Iowa. Last year, I checked a deer in Iowa, I checked a deer in Wisconsin, Indiana, and the only place I really don't go is Southern Illinois. We've got a lot of trackers down there right. already, yeah. so I I don't get down there much, but I'm definitely two, three, four hours is not out of the question. That's not out of the question. Yeah. Okay. Pull, pull your mic up just a little bit. Is, is there like an organization? You said, you know, there's a lot of trackers down south. Is there like a place where guys can find deer trackers or is it just random or is there like a group you guys are part of? Yeah, there's actually two groups. Um, the the larger nationally based group is United Blood Trackers. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they were founded many, many years ago and really the 
the impetus behind organized tracking in the United States, and they did a lot to promote the legality of tracking in a lot of states across the United States. Um, but now um, what's popping up now is these state networks, and it's really just the trackers in that state getting together and organizing themselves. Like self-organizing the community. Yeah, and, and, and really we do a lot of self-policing. Um, there's, you know, there's there's some good tracking teams out there and there's some honest tracking teams out there and there's not some honest tracking teams right. out there. So can we break that down for people if they're looking like what's, what are some red flags for uh, someone that needs a deer tracked? Like what makes, Oh boy, we are jumping right in. Yeah, we are. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, meat and taters, man. Well, hey, there's yeah. going to be a lot of meat and taters in this one, I think. <laughs> and maybe some uncomfortable truths a little bit. Sure. Too, right. hundred percent. Hey, that's what you're here for. Yep. Um, <laughs> He's like, all right, I guess so. <laughs> here um, we go. <laughs> they're, um, you know, as we, as the tracking sport, I guess, if you want to call it, evolves, there's a lot of people getting into the sport for a variety of reasons, right? Mm-hmm. Some are, in, in, uh, one of the big things they're getting into the uh, into it now is because, number one, they think training a tracking dog is easy, and they can make a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Right. And neither is the case. Wrong ways to do it. <laughs> um, I can tell you that the amount of time that I spend and the amount of expenses that I, and the effort that I go through and the amount of money that I take in, I'd rather work at McDonald's. Uh, um, and it, it, I mean, you know, if you break it down, I, if know, it's for the money, not burger, you're saying, <laughs> they right? <need> help. Right. <laughs> um, so one of the things that the state network does is um, sort of weed out the bad apples, if you will. Yeah. It allows us to, you know, any any member of the Illinois Deer Trackers Network, the IDTN, we, we make them submit an application. And on that application is a couple of questions. Are you in good standing in the state of Illinois? How many deer have you recovered? How many years have you been tracking? What kind of dog you have? And then we can look at that application and go, they found 44 deer in their first year. Right. Mm, Something's fishy. Eh, that's probably not right. And so we get on the phone with them and start asking questions. So at the end of the day, what we're offering the public with the IDTN is a vetted team that we've gone through that said, hey, these people are who they say they are, mm-hmm. and they're decent folks. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty much a job interview for, a, for the tracking dog, pretty much. Pretty much. I mean, we're not we, – and we have all levels of ability within that within that group too. We've got teams that have never tracked a deer before, and this is going to be their first year. And we've got teams with 600 recoveries. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's, we're not saying you're going to get the best tracking dog in the world. We're saying you're going to get a good team. that's going to work hard. It's going to be honest. And yeah. they are who they say they are. They're going to do the best job for you possible. Yeah. And the other thing too, is, you know, like our first year trackers and our trackers in training, what we label them as, we don't allow them to charge. So if you want to be part of the network, you have to work for tips and gas money. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, it's just like anything. If you, if this is your first year, you know, a construction company and you never built a deck before, you're going to charge some guy full price to build a deck? Right. Probably not. How long no. did we lose our ass podcasting? <laughs> no shit. <laughs> so yeah. how did you get into deer tracking and the dogs and all that? Ooh. Um, so I have been deer hunting since I was 10, so 41 years now. Mm-hmm. I've been bow hunting probably 35 of those years. I was really serious about it. Um, probably to the point I was, you know, probably unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's all I live for. Um, every day after we know work, that we know the feeling <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> every day was shooting bows and moving tree stands and scouting from the truck and watching, you know, you know, and, and doing everything that I could to get on that deer that, you know, that, that I wanted to kill. And, and it, to be honest with you, it became work. 
it became the last five years that I was like seriously doing it. It was more work than fun. Mm-hmm. And the last year I killed, I, um, well, I shouldn't say the last year I killed cause I got really lucky last year. But, um, uh, when I was hunting quote unquote full time, um, you know, I, I killed a 155 inch 10 that I wanted to kill. I wrapped my tag around it and I walked back to the house and I thought, what just happened? Mm-hmm. This, this didn't, this not feeling the same way as it felt before. And right about that time, my wife was actually starting to get into hunting. And um, I was with her one night, and this was well before the dog. I was with her one night in the tree stand, and she shot a really nice 155-inch, actually eight-pointers, really beautiful deer. And uh, and I knew the shot was high and back, liver, no exit. We looked for that deer for four days. I never found it. I called a couple guys with dogs that I knew off of United Blood Trackers. One said he didn't want to come because, uh, you know, w- women's bows are not capable of killing deer. Mm. Oh, boy. Okay, whatever. <laughs> Way to be a dick. Yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, so long story short, I could never get a dog there. And something clicked in my head one day and said, hey, why don't I get a tracking dog? I can still be in the hunting game. I can find big deer all the time. Right. Right. And I can still do this without actually hunting, but still be involved in the game. And mm-hmm. that's, you know. That's where it all started, huh? Yeah, two years later, I, I had a puppy in my hands and had no idea what to do with it. That's awesome. <laughs> what <laughs> kind of dog scratch. is the most common for deer tracking? I don't think there is a common. Okay. You know, your hounds, you know, your hounds are obviously popular just because tracking is in their DNA, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you've got your Bavarian mountain hounds are becoming really popular, which what diesel is. Mm-hmm. Um, your bloodhounds are popular, and they're, they've been commercialized a lot. So when, when guys think oh, of good tracking dogs, they automatically think bloodhound, mm-hmm. right? And bloodhounds are, are obviously popular um, and very talented dogs too. But we see there are some labs out there that are doing some fantastic work. Um, and surprisingly, like, you know, I've got a buddy, Dean Muthig in Wisconsin, who trains tracking dogs for a living. Mm-hmm. And tracks for a living, and you know he's had four or five labs in this year, hmm. and all of them have been just lights out. Really, and they're easy to train, and they're good in the house, and you know it's not like having a bloodhound in your house is a lot different than a, than a, than lab. a lab, right? Right. right yeah. Um, but you know we even see just odd breeds. Not well, a, a wire-haired dachshund, you know, twenty-five pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, when you see a sixty-five-year-old guy carrying his tracking dog to your track, yeah, I can imagine what's going through your minds. <laughs> I'm telling you what, those are talented dogs. Yeah. And, you know, we've got everything from mutts to, you know, coon hounds to um, GSPs, anything. It's it, it's not necessarily breed. Breed will give you a better chance of producing a better dog, but it's, it's, it's the actual dog and the drive in the dog. If the dog wants to go from A to B, I don't care what it is, you're going to have a decent tracking dog. Right. Very cool. That's good. That, that's good to know. That though. Tracker John, he uses a smaller dog, don't he? I don't know. Tracker John's a bloodhound guy from what I know. Oh, yeah. I've seen he's got bloodhounds. Yeah. I've seen guys on like old episodes like road trips and stuff, like somewhere in Pike County, and the guy had like a little wire hair thing, which I, I always remember. Like, I thought it was a joke. Like I thought it was just the dog. Right. But oh, no, it was like they're tracking. Dog. Oh, no joke. Yeah. Wire dachshunds, you know what they're actually bred to do is they're actually bred to hunt underground. And they, holes, will, they right? will go in a badger hole and come out with a badger. Yeah. Wow. That's horrifying. That is I mean, horrifying. But awesome. Think about that. Yeah, that's scary. That's cool. No, but I've but I've seen some wear her do some incredible work. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it just 
but yeah, when you see a guy carrying it, you're like, oh man, what's yeah. the deal? You, if you <laughs> yeah. don't know, you don't know. You think it was a joke. You're like, what the hell is this guy yeah. doing? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, deer tracking, I've never had, I guess some people have, I don't know, is there is there a negative outlook on it with the hunting community at all? I guess I've never experienced that, but is there? I don't know. I, I, I don't see why not. I, I wonder if some of the, and this may or may not be correct, but I wonder if some of the traditional crowd doesn't like oh, the use of a dog. Uh, from our experience on the internet, they don't really like anything. <laughs> I, I, of, course, of course, we're talking about like the 2% that are just dickheads on the internet. You know, right. we're not talking about the real, most of them are. I've never heard that. anyone say anything negative about tracking dogs. I think the most you. thing you hear is like, the dicks are just like, well, you should make a better shot. Like, that's your well, fault. That's, like, well, yeah, if you need a dog, then, you know, yeah, you suck. Then you shouldn't be yeah, You could knock the top out of the heart on a deer and people are still going to say you shot it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. But that's just the internet. Um, yeah. But I haven't, I haven't, cons- I haven't, I haven't heard of, of too many negative uses i i don't know in in off lead states maybe off in, lead is a no leash or yeah so you know states can be on lead or off lead and that's that's designated by the laws within the state mm-hmm. um so your southern states tend to be off lead you're bigger you know so you, there's a bigger chance for a dog to cross a property line maybe or well a lot of those southern states it's legal to hunt deer with dogs too oh, sure. and not all of them i'm sure but some of them right some of them teams have catch dogs Oh no, kidding! Oh no, joke! If you if you hit a deer in the leg, we'll say in Florida, you're going to put your tracking dog and your catch dog, and you're going to let them out of the box, and they will find the deer. Wow! And you're not going to walk up to a live deer. Jeez. See, I don't know if I like that. I don't. Me personally, but if it's wounded and it's going to die, what's considered wounded? That's right. And going to die? Who's in charge of that? It's a very gray, gray area. area. That's a gray area. Round table quick. Doug, how do you feel about that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's a little pass, savage to me. Pass, pass. Take a chance. Take a chance here. I'll, I'll do it I don't with think you. It, uh, I don't think that's right. Eric? I'm kind of in the same boat. That's kind of weird to me. I don't like it. How do you, how do you I feel? think there's a fine line between tracking and you get a buck, you said in, le- in the leg, and it would had a chance of surviving, then the dog just kill it. No. I, you know, I'm not an off lead guy, but. Um, what's Illinois? Is it on lead? On lead. It yeah, has dog to has on. to be on what's lead. What's Iowa? On lead. Okay. Yeah. Most of your Midwest states, I don't know any states, uh, Midwest and North that are off lead. Okay. You know, Georgia, Alabama, Texas, Florida. Um, I don't know if any of the Carolinas are or not, but most of your Southern states are off lead just because of the size of the property. Mm-hmm. Right, right. You right. get on a ranch in Texas, whether your dog's on yeah. lead or off lead, it's just not, it's going to get it out of the zip code. Me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. So I, I don't know. I mean, we, we found deer that, you know, or people in our community have found deer that have been shot like below the ankle. And why did that deer die? Mm-hmm. No yeah. idea. Did it die of a heart attack? I don't know. A nerve deal or, you know, it's like, what is it? I don't know. I mean, so, you know, who's to say a deer's going to die and deer's going to live? Big gray area there. Huge. Very wide in the gray. I think me personally, and this is just, this is not, you know, anything negative about anybody in our community, but I think if if the deer's going to die, it should be at the hands of a hunter. For sure. I didn't even know that was a thing until you just said it. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. Holy smokes. Oh, yeah. Um, and I could start naming types of dogs, but I don't want to get people in. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, no, that's you, fine. you know what I'm saying. Catch dogs, so, like it's a red area for me, son. <laughs> let, you know, I look at, and I may, I may be wrong on this, but before talking to you right now, I've always looked at, like, you always see the guys who get um, shed dogs 
Like, yeah, I got the shed dog, and it ends up just being a spoiled house dog. That's fine. Yeah. But then you got guys like, I got a dog, and it can track. And then you know they've never done any track jobs with it. But as soon as you wound a deer, you want me to bring my dog out? And for me, I'm like, no, because I, me, and then maybe this is wrong. It could be. Mm-hmm. But my thought on it is, your dog's never done this for real. He's just going to run around my entire property and screw things up worse than if I took my time and just tracked it versus a dog with no experience that just wants to play and bark and yep. chase deer anyway. Yep. And then uh, to top that off, let's say that that inexperienced dog comes in or no experienced dog comes in, runs all over the place. It's been on the scent line. Now it's got that deer in the bottom of its feet. You've been all over it. You've been on that scent line. Now the deer's on the bottom of your feet. Everywhere you guys walked, it's just mucked up that track bad. Mm-hmm. So if you want to call in now, I got to find this deer. If you want to call in a more experienced team, now that a more experienced team has to deal with all that. Right. Yeah, it's just muddy. It's noise that you didn't have to noise to wade a- through. So you're advising against the buddy that's like, my dog needs to learn, and you shot a 180. Maybe not learn on the 180 for his first track. <laughs> no, I, I definitely wouldn't do that. I mean, if if – if it's two buddies and you know you're not going to call in a dog or another dog's not available, you've really got nothing to lose. Right. I hear you. But if if there is another dog available, that's your first choice. I, I would not let your buddy take Fido off the porch and, you know. Yeah. yeah. There, there are very few dogs in our community, I will say, that are completely naturals. Like, oh, my dog just, you know, followed a track one day and he's been lights out ever since. It doesn't happen that way. Yeah. You know, Michael Jordans aren't, they're, they're born, but they're also made. Right. You have to give that dog a foundation. You got to yeah. give them exposure. And yeah. Just work like with them and do everything. Right. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yep. So if someone listens, like, man, I'd really like to get into this. I want to get a dog. It's always been something I wanted to do. Is the first step just get a hold of you guys and get some advice before he even gets going? 100%. You know, talk to a veteran team, talk to multiple veteran teams, join the United Blood Trackers, ask some questions. Hey, what dog's right for me? And I always tell guys, if you really want a dog, number one, make sure it's a commi- it's a lifelong commitment. And if you really want to make a tracking dog, it's going to change your life because it's not an hour a week. It's you're working obedience every day. You're training, you know, on track when the when the dog is young multiple times a day for weeks, and then you know it's stretched out. But then you have to give, you know, make a commitment to that dog to give them the tracks that he needs to get better. Right. Um, And it's, it's a huge commitment that a lot of people just aren't willing to make. Mm -hmm. But as far as dog selection goes, I always advise people to get a dog that fits your lifestyle. Don't necessarily, you don't have to have a Ferrari to go get groceries. I mean, it's nice, right? But, you know, living with, you know, diesel being a Bavarian mountain hound, living with diesel nine months out of the year when we're not tracking it's no joke. Yeah. He needs to be exercised, exercised and, and stimulated and, and, you know, and, and just, it's not, he's not going to lay in the couch for you. Mm-hmm. Right. And if he is, you're not going to like your house when you come home. <laughs> right. Right. So, um, you know, and it's like, you know, I'm, it, th- I'm thinking getting a basset hound for blood trail and how'd that be? I, I've seen two basset hounds track and they were both lights out. I just think if I were to get a dog right now, a basset hound, they just look like my style of dog. Just tripping over their ears. I got a beagle. 
Nice. Oh, there's there's plenty of beagles around. Hey, Bassett houses look like they want to drink a beer with you. <laughs> oh, they, they are. They don't get in a hurry to do anything. No, no, it's no. Like, oh, this is what my we're doing. Guy. Cool. I'm cool with this. Yeah, look, at, look at my crooked feet yeah. and my long ears. He's like, track the deer or not? I don't give a shit. <laughs> what are you gonna do, man? Hey, I'll be over here taking a nap. Yeah, yeah you got a stoner freaking dog. Just let me know when you're ready. That's yeah, funny. that'd be kind of fun, you know? Maybe, but. The, you need the, a basset hound. The biggest thing funny, that I see it? is, you know, like 100-pound women getting a 120-pound bloodhound. It's like that dog is going to rule you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, For sure, yeah. Get something that fits your lifestyle better. Diesel's like a perfect-sized dog. He is, and he's actually a little big for a Bavarian. Oh, really? He's 55, which is the upper upper limits, but, um, you know, part of something with that, he's still intact, and he's been fed raw since, you know— um, since he's been very young. So I think he's got a little bit more muscle structure than some of the other Bavarian. Yeah, more sure, opportunity sure. to, to yeah. be healthy, I guess. And yeah. I mean, he's a stud. He's in shape, of course, you know. And oh, he drives me to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> it was cool. It was cool watching him work from, what you know, I, um, our, our buddy was supposed to be in here, but we were talking about the experience, but couldn't make it. Um, we might have talked about it on a past episode. I can't remember or not. but I think um, we did. Yeah, we may have Todd had had you come out. That's where we met. Yeah, um, it's just cool seeing. I mean, I've never seen a deer track a or a dog track a deer before. But you know, we've been out coon hunting with dogs and duck hunting and stuff. It's just so cool to see dogs work. Yeah, it's so neat. That was my first experience ever to it. And um, for anybody that's is going to be in my for the first time seeing a dog work, it's kind of funny in your head when you first watch because you're not sure what to think. So you maybe watch the dog, and this is just like my first, like, in the process. It was like, okay, is this dog really on something, or is he just mm-hmm. doing dog things? And then <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but I'm just kind of like watching and try to stay out of his way, right? You know, yep. be respectful, let the dog have the trail. And then it's like, I don't know what this dog, oh, oh, he found blood? Oh, <laughs> shit, he's angry. And, and, then it's like, and then it goes, you know, oh, he lost it. And I'm like, what is this dog doing? And like, oh, shit, he found more blood. Yeah. Like, okay, yeah. <laughs> This is real. <laughs> You're just so somebody up and down. Sure. Like, this dog's full of shit. Well, I know he knows what he's doing. If you've never seen it done before, you don't know. I don't know. I didn't know the process, right. you know. So um, if you ever do hire somebody legitimate, I imagine someone's seen it for the first time. You're hopeful to find the deer and then the right. ups and the downs and you're wondering. And so I imagine that's common for people when they first see it, right? hundred percent. Everybody thinks it's like, you know, it's it's magic or whatever. But, you know, and then there's the group of people that, that think it's. He's just taking his dog for a walk. Right. You know, the, the the talk at the truck about, you know, I trust my dog. I know what he looks like when he's on deer, when he's not on the line, blah, blah, blah. You know, is that all BS? Is this guy really knows what he's talking about? And, you know, and that's, I, I, I think that's healthy skepticism if somebody hasn't seen it before. Yeah, that's fair, right? And especially when, you know, when we've gone three quarters of a mile and I haven't showed you blood yet, but I know in my head my dog is on me, on your deer and we're probably going to find it. Right. We we just just keep the faith and keep keep up with spot of blood. Yeah. And you go right here. Son and of it, a bitch. <laughs> and, and, and then the look on their face after they see it and they're like, "Holy well, cow. I'll right. follow this dog till the end of the earth." Right. Yeah. It's all you need right there once yeah. you see it. But I get to do that 100 times a year. Yeah. So that's cool. You know, so that's, you know, but that's that's really what it all comes down to is is reading your dog and if I think he's on, we're going until you say we're done. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, if you can't show Hunter sign, it's, it's sometimes it's a tough sell. Yeah, for sure. I, yeah. I can imagine. 
but it's almost like you can kind of smirk a little knowing like, well, if there is a sign to be found, he's going to find it, you know. Hopefully we're going to show it to you. Hopefully somebody sees it. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. there's sign there that we don't see. Right. But it's that one little pin drop of blood that could mean the big difference. You know, like on our on your French track, um, that blood that we found down by the creek, I, at one point in time, I wiped my head and I went, oh, thank God we found that spot of blood. <laughs> but then I think there was, honestly, I think there was some contention there, whether if it was that deer's blood or not. I knew it in my head that it was. And that's another tough, well, nah, my deer would have never went this way. Mm, your deer went this way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what it was. And, you know, we're like, man, that's crazy. It was just wild. It was cool to see. Um so we've we've talked lightly about deer tracking, never a full focus like this. Well, maybe kind of a little bit, but nothing um, this in depth. Yeah, what is like the? Re- I know it's different based on like the shot of the deer, and if the deer lives or not, you can't control that. Like you can't really control the recovery rate because the deer might live or whatever it is. But like out of a hundred deer in a, in an average year, how many are you finding with a dog? Great question, and it's probably getting back to the question that you asked earlier is, you know, what does, what could a hunter look for in a tracking team? Well, here, and we, and we touched on the fact that there's off-lead and on-lead states. Off-lead dogs and off-lead teams are going to find more deer than on-lead teams, just in the simple fact, like you said, a dog is unimpeded by a handler on an off-lead state, and they can catch the deer and bay the deer until the hunter gets there and kills the deer or the dog kills the deer. Mm-hmm. Right. In an on-lead state, I'm not chasing after deer. I'm 51 years old, and I'm not going <laughs> to run through the woods. Yeah. We're running. <laughs> chasing after a deer, right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so We're um, running. Show up in tracking shoes. <laughs> and, and here's the, the really big takeaway, because this is, what, this is what we keep seeing out of teams that are sort of not so honest. And I'm just being honest with this. If a team takes all the calls that they get, in other words, I don't screen my calls. At the end of the year, my recovery percentage is going to be 40% plus or minus 5%. Now, does that mean we're leaving 55 and 60% of the deer in the woods? Absolutely not. 55 to 60% of the deer that we track aren't dead when we track them. Right. Yeah. So if you have a tracker online or you talk to and they're, they're, they're advertising 85% success rate, 90% success rate, Everybody that knows what they're talking about goes, oh, geez, here we go again. You know, it's, it's, they, they think it's better because my recovery percentage is more. Right. If you flip a coin, right, 100 times in a row, you may or may not get 50%. Right. right? Yeah, yeah. You may get 60-40. You may get 70-30. You may get 50-50. But if you flip the coin long enough, you're going to get 50-50. Um, so if I take enough tracks my recovery percentage is going to be 40% plus or minus 5%, period. Now, there's three things that contribute to that. Number one is a team either doesn't know what a recovery is, and it may sound kind of funny. So in other words, let's say that I'm tracking and I jump a deer. I jump the deer. I see the hole in the side. I jump the deer. It goes over the neighbor's fence. There are some teams that will, you know, take that as a quote-unquote recovery. Mm. Mm. Most teams, the vast majority of teams think of recovery is um, my dog sticks his nose on the deer that we set out to track and it's dead and we put him on a tailgate. That's a recovery. So second thing is, is a, a team that is advertising higher than normal success rates is they screen their calls heavily. They're mm. only going to go on the high percentage. Um, They're not going to take the shoulder shots. They're not going to take the neck shots, the front on shots. They don't even go. If you mention liver or gut, they're in the truck. 
Gotcha. Here we go. During the truck is in, they're on their way. They're on their way because it's, you know, liver and gut hits are tend to be easy for dogs. Gotcha. And they're higher percentage. Because of the smell of the hit usually? With, with yeah, the I, I, I think there's, there's extra. And it's fatal. And it's 100% fatal. And that's another interesting concept. The dogs absolutely know when a hit is fatal and when they're not, when it's not. My dog can tell you within probably a few hundred yards, I've got a pretty good idea on whether that we're going to find the deer or not. Mm, interesting. Man, you know, I love that you, you don't screen your call. It, I love the honesty about it because we've always, we've heard different on the podcast on success rate of recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like that, you know, you're being completely honest. You have no reason to be like, well, I, Diesel find 90% of the deer out there because... I don't have to. Yeah, you don't have to be. So I think there's a big learning, valuable educational yes. point to that for our listeners and us because yep. um, yeah if he wouldn't have told me that i would have went with the guy that has 90 percent. 100 percent. why wouldn't yeah. you yeah you know what i mean and, and eric unrealistic uh, but, but no I mean, for real though like <laughs> this guy has better odds than yeah. over this sure. you know and if you don't 40%. know any different why wouldn't you go with the 90 percent guy that's what i'm saying yeah if you don't right. know you don't know right but man that's valuable to know especially coming in you know by the time this episode launches deer season's just underway or about to become underway here in the midwest um you're a great guy you know find your your page on facebook just follow it now and then also whatever whatever other organization has a facebook page but diesel the deer tracking dog we'll link all this in the episode description so just you can relax don't go find it right now go back to the episode description click on there and then uh, give it a like um so what I think we should do now, because we have some Patreon questions and we have some listener-submitted questions, and that's going to roll us into a lot more of these yeah. topics and then branch it out even further in things yep. we want to do. Sure. Um, so before we just read questions and go, we already answered that, <laughs> we'll just branch out. And sure. th- um, these are candid. You haven't seen any of these questions. Mm-hmm. I haven't even read all of them. Um, I've just skimmed through them. We kind of like to do it that way here on the show because... Um, you know we're being honest. We're right. not skipping over an uncomfortable question or this for convenience of us looking cool. Sure. So we're I, not screening our. We're not screening we're our screening questions. Like, <laughs> there you go. Like he doesn't screen his track job. <laughs> I got a quick question for you. Like, yeah. if say you can't go on a track, do you do you work with guys or like say it's out of your area? Like, hey, I can't go on this track, but here's this guy. Yeah, and and that's the other benefit of having a state network. It, it's it's got network in its name for a reason right um let's say that we're all trackers and we're all in the network together and if i know that you know i've got a track in alito that i can't get to hey i know so and so's out there i pick up the phone and say hey i've got what we think is a liver shot deer shot yesterday his name is john smith here's his phone number yeah it's very and cool that, that networking helps us tremendously in fact i think that's sort of pseudo how you found me last year mm-hmm. um you know kind of reached out to social media but yeah, if we can, you know, there's there's 30, I think, 29 teams on the map. There's 37 teams that are part of the network. That's awesome. And, and we're working together for you guys, the hunters. Yeah. And and um, it, it really helps. to. And we've got, we use a, a WhatsApp group. Uh, yeah. WhatsApp. WhatsApp and, is awesome, actually. It was, so we th- we'll throw tracks out on there. And if I get one in Peoria that I can't get to, I'll just say, hey, John Smith, somebody's looking for a track in Peoria. Who's Who can do it? Yeah, and if see nobody, that's kick ass. Yeah, and if nobody can respond, nobody can respond. But at least we tried. Yeah, at least yeah. You're, you're actually putting the feelers out there and trying to get a yep. dog there for yep. that person for that we, hunter. We want to see that deer in that truck. We right. we don't want to see that's deer awesome. left in the woods. So I have another question, but I know it's already it's been asked. So I'm going to wait to give this person their answer before their question that 
it, it goes right in what we're talking about. So let's just get into it here. Okay. And, and if we and at the end of all the questions, if we don't cover something, we feel like we need to. Like by all means, sure. you know, let's go there. So yep. um, we're on Patreon. I did reach out on this one. Patreon first, Instagram second. Of course, uh, shout out to our Patreon family. Yep. Um, you guys are the shit. You the guys homies. take your support to us a step further, and uh, we're going to get some exclusive podcasts out for you here. We're actually, we might do an exclusive podcast after this one tonight hey, into some beers, you know what I mean? <laughs> whoa, whoa. And Gary, you're more than welcome to stick around for that if you'd like, but you'd probably be staying here at the <laughs> studio, oh, and, uh, which you're more than welcome to. So just think about that. <laughs> I'd, be, uh, I'd be honored to stay. Okay. Oh, hey. okay. Awesome. <laughs> it's going to get wild. You might regret it. Uh, all right. Parker Barron, shout out to you, buddy. Um, do most of the deer that are tracked become badly hit from bad shot selection or broadhead failure? I've been told by a tracker to use a fixed head. I disagree. Thanks, guys. Throw me under the bus. Oh, boy. <laughs> Here we go. So, okay. Thanks, so, Parker. Interesting topic. Um, I would say most deer are tracked due to bad sh- shot selection. Period. Do we see broadhead failure? Yes. Do we see more broadhead failure with mechanicals? Yes. Mm-hmm. Am I a fixed big head fan? A big fixed head fan? Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan of a moderately heavy arrow, a fixed head shot out of a tune bow. That's very fair. That's fair. I don't, you know, if guys want to launch 900 green arrows at deer, I mean, that's that's okay. And I'm not, I'm not knocking that by any means, but, you know, I, I think we were talking before, but you know, arrow weight and single bubble heads and all that stuff. It's not a crutch for bad shot selection. You you have to, you, you have to get the deer in a good position to, to start the process. So you're right. telling me if I have a heavy <laughs> arrow, I can't just be a jack wagon and shoot it wherever I want. No, you can't. Well, you can, but you'd still be a jack wagon. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't do it. You, I, I, ethically. It's not I, recommended. You'd be calling him a lot. I, I don't. It, a heavy arrow is not an excuse for poor shot selection or bad ethical behavior. Bad shots happen. Poor shot selection shouldn't is on the hunter. Hundred yeah. percent. Do you see arrows? Because there's kind of that. There's a niche group, and I'm not against it. I'm not necessarily. For, I, I agree with it, right? But I'm not. I fall into the category. I shoot a heavy enough arrow. Mm-hmm. I'm not the guy that's like, I got a 900 grain arrow. Right. Suck my D if you don't agree. Right. I'm not that guy. Suck my D if you don't agree. That's a t-shirt right there. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean, I'm, I'm a genius. I don't even know it. You're a poet. You didn't even know <laughs> it. I'm a poet. <laughs> You're a goddamn poet. Um, but do you see, and I don't know, maybe you haven't or you don't know. Have you seen arrows so heavy that they just are just lacking behind like an animal's reaction when it comes to making a sh- poor shot oh there's definitely i pulled up a, uh, to a track two years ago and a guy he says hey can you just hold my bow for a second while i cross this fence and i i hold it and i look at the pin gaps on his on his sight and they were like an inch and a half apart and, like, <laughs> and i i look at the quiver real quick and i'm like holy cow wh- what are you shooting like rebar rebar, rebar. <laughs> <laughs> pin gaps are an inch apart well, you see the single pin is sight tapes like it's only right. 30 yards 10 to 30 or 20 to 30 is like this it's pages he's got to stick it <laughs> yeah. yeah click a new wheel on to go to 40 yeah. <laughs> now you know then you you know then distance becomes absolutely critical at that stage and I mean, is, are there times where a 900 green arrow with single bubble head is going to save your butt? Yeah. You're shooting Cape Buffalo. Yeah, but <laughs> not not really in what we do. Yeah. Um, I'd rather see a guy put it where it belongs than 
not. I don't care how you get there. For sure. Put it where it belongs. Makes sense. For the record, I'm shooting 480 green arrows. <laughs> yeah, I think I mean, that's, that's right where I want to be. Yeah. The, the biggest thing that we see leading to tracking dogs is lack of penetration. Mm. Why is there lack of penetration? Just being honest. Mechanical heads, untuned equipment. Yeah. That's shoot, shoot a straight arrow and, and put it where it belongs. And using either head, you're probably okay. A fixed head's going to bail you out when a, when a, a mech might. Not. Right. You're going to wish you had a fixed blade more than you wish you had a mechanical, usually. That's for sure. That's Is that a, fair? That's, that's a fair, my opinion. That's a fair statement. I mean, my opinion. I'm not knocking anybody that uses mechs, oh, we're, but... we're not either. We use both. We use both. Yeah. But, but if you hit it to your back, that's kind of when you're like, man, I wish I had a expandable. A, a big, big cut. you know, two and a half inch broad head. Sure. But I can guarantee you my slick trick run through the guts of a deer is going to kill it just as fast as yeah. it's going to lay up. And Do you dive. know we shot slick trick? Oh, did, you, did you say that just to... Oh no! I I shot I shot slick tricks before they were even on the market. Everybody, dude, slick trick. I we've known about slick trick for a long time because you know we're in that family outdoor group yep. and stuff. But we've been running into more people this year, yeah, that believe in slick trick broadheads organically without us talking to them. And the African guys, South Africa, yeah, yeah. they went. They, and, they've actually been around for a really really long time. They went and picked up more slick tricks for us. Yeah, in Africa. Yeah, they got them in Africa. You don't. You could. I'm like, you can get a. I didn't think you can get a gallon of milk there, and they go and get slick trick fixed blades. I'll have to bring over the original package. Remember that? I should sent you guys a picture. Larry gave them to me, but it's like oh, I don't remember the that. OG packaging for the slick trick broadheads. Oh, I don't remember it's that. Super cool. I love their names. Uh, but that's a great question, right? Like, you know, Parker opened that up to a lot of. Uh, I think great topics great thoughts <laughs> contribute definitely points of interest for sure points of interest yeah you know uh, if, if you if you're talking with your buddy or a group of buddies with a bunch of beers around a campfire i'm that topic is going to get heated fast yeah there could be a fist fight around the <laughs> for sure but uh but you know i'll be catching a two blade we're not here yeah, we're, we're not here to do don't worry it won't hurt you <laughs> right, right. Hit, what is that hit him in the shoulder he'll be fine he'll be patched up by tomorrow <laughs> hey doug give me one of the ice cold beers will you uh-huh. gary would you like another beer sure um you can boss us around by the way no i won't do your that. family here um <laughs> paul serretta big supporter man shout out to you thanks for the question uh paul writes tracking in the rain or snow what's too much moisture also, a lot of hunters like to get work done in the woods right before a rain. Outside of food plots, we are not washing away our scent like we think we are. Bad scenting conditions is hot, dry, and windy. Good scenting conditions are wet, cool, and calm. Mm. If I've got a 20-hour-old line and it's supposed to rain at 3 o'clock, I want to go after the rain. I don't want to go before the, the scent, think of think of this in moisture and scent. You've got a drop of blood on your countertop mm-hmm. in your kitchen. It's going to dry up and shrivel and crack, right? If you put six or eight drops of water on that, what happens to that, that blood spot? It's going to open back up. It's going to spread out, and all of a sudden, it's going to start emitting odor again. So um, I would much rather track in the rain or after rain or if there's dew in the ground after the frost melts that's when that's when the dogs are probably going to do their best work. Wow. Uh, that's totally good happened. information, yeah. man. Yep. Okay, it makes sense, though. When you break it down that way, it makes sense. In yeah. my head, I That'd always thought, totally well, I got work to do in the woods. I'll go out because the rain's going to rinse everything off. 
I have never now with my dog. Now there there's a point where there's enough there's going to be enough moisture, enough rain that it will wash the sun away. It depends on the scent that's on the ground, what the ground conditions are, how much moisture, what the dog is doing, you know, what kind of dog is it, you know, it's probably a different dog. I mean, I mean it's it, it it's up in the it's up in the air in terms of what the correct answer is, but you know, I I've seen diesel track after two inches of rain and knock it out of the park like nothing ever happened. So when a guy shoots a deer at night and it gets dark and he's waiting for you to call him back if you can make it or not, and then it starts to just lightly drizzle, he should be excited yes. that there's a little moisture versus no moisture. 100%. So that's a good thing. 100%. And if and like I said before, if, if there's dew or frost, that's even better. Let's let's wait till that dew comes off and then we're, i think we're so wow. opposite of it because we're not thinking in a dog's perspective yeah. we're thinking it's going to wash the blood away which is correct visibly visibly right but if you bring if you have a dog in the equation you're like okay it's a total 180 here's a controversial damn that's fun it is a controversial topic you know i was always when i first started hunting when i was really getting into it i was watching vhs tapes there was no social media we didn't have internet phones you took a picture with a disposable camera if you had one <laughs> right right so like a lot of the myths that we, I grew up hunting with is, you know, like, in, you know, in the magazines and stuff is move your tree stands in the rain. Well, now that I've seen what I've seen with my dog, I'm not moving tree stands in the rain. I'm going to stay inside and I'll move it after. Hot and dry is better. Yeah. Think of, think about, yeah, hot and dry and wind and windy. I'd rather move a tree stand then. There's going to be less sun on the ground. Man, that's think about this good though. information. You know, as good as tracking dogs are in moisture, a deer's nose is four times better than a tracking dog. Which is mind-blowing. That is crazy. What are you going to get away with? Not much. Wouldn't you just like to have, like, a dog nose or a deer nose for one day? I think it would be terrible. It would be horrifying. Wouldn't it? This is an honest statement. I would trade everything that I have right now to be able to talk to my dog for one day and get answers. Oh, just like so he could talk back to you? Yeah, just, just so we can communicate about... What do you need? What are you smelling? What it, it yeah. just just yeah. to be able to because it's all speculation, right? We yeah, don't. for sure. How stimul? I feel like you'd just be so stimulated that it just you'd go nuts as a human brain. Oh, hundred percent. You know, if you're a dog brain, you're, that's what you do. But yeah, I think right. you you throw that sensory on a human brain, right? Brain and I think we go insane. Yeah, like yeah. I think that's where, like yeah, you go into a mental asylum. It'd be weird. It'd be kind of cool though. For give me one day, one I'd day. try it. Oh, for sure. Hundred percent. I, I like literally, a deer nose. Give me two hours. I would trade everything to be able to talk to my dog for one day on tracks and have a beer. Oh, wouldn't it be cool? Smoke a cigar cool. on a car table with your dog. It's freaking awesome. <laughs> that would be cool, dude. Yeah, I feel like out, I just find out my dog hates me. <laughs> <laughs> You're Boy, a piece of shit. He's like, listen, you've been doing this wrong for years. <laughs> your dog just walks out of the room, nerd. Can you, <laughs> can you imagine talking to your wife if you could smell like a dog? Would not be good. Oh, oh boy, boy. It'd be good. I'll leave it at that. That's not good. Um, <laughs> great question, Paul. That was a great yeah, question. Really good question. Two killer questions. All right. So Garrett Goodwin, your next buddy. You better follow up with a strong one, and everybody else, because if not, this is going downhill fast. This podcast is on the weight of your guys' shoulders. Like yeah. I did that. Uh, Garrett Goodwin writes. I wasn't sure how the dog trekking deal worked until I had to call one out for the buck last fall, but I am sure a believer in them. I'm curious though of the different ways to train them for tracking procedures, for the tracking procedures? 
in a nutshell, you and I could probably talk for three or four hours about how to start a dog, but in a nutshell, what you're trying to do to a young dog is teach them to go from A to B. And, and you do that by starting off with a lot of scent. A lot of times guys will drag a, they'll go to the store and get a liver or use a deer liver on a rope and they'll drag it 25, 30 yards and they'll start their dog on it like 20 minutes later. And, and sometimes, you know, with depending on the dog, you have to encourage the dog down the track, but you're eventually trying to get them to the end and B and make B really, 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 really cool. Right. Like this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. So what you're trying to do is teach them that, um, you know, if if I do this work, I get the reward, and the reward is really cool. Yeah, right. Dad's really it. happy with me. I get a piece of liver, and I get to ride in the back of the truck, and you know, whatever it is that, that turns your dog on, right? So after that, your job is to introduce blood and hoof scent to that dog once they've got the A to B down. Mm-hmm. And once you introduce blood and hoof scent, your job is to actually reduce the amount of scent over time until your your dog can actually track nothing but hoof scent no blood Mm, interesting you know if if the theory is is if 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 the hunter has blood he doesn't necessarily need the dog Mm -hmm. right so we're going to be called in when there's no blood blood ran out let's call a dog so you have to get your dog tracking that inner digital scent or that in in that hoof scent so in, in a nutshell that's how you train a dog now there's a thousand different nuances in between Right. You know, what I said at, at first, what I ended with, right? Um, and it takes years. Hey, you can always come back. when you're <laughs> right? <laughs> Really, it takes years to develop a, a veteran dog. It, it takes a lot of work. Um, wow. It's interesting, man. If you think you're going to train a dog in, in a summer, you're going to lay six, eight, ten practice lines and then just hang it up and say, I got a tracking dog right now. No, you don't. I love that. I love you, that you, you don't. You really don't have. I mean, you might have a dog that started that knows, but that dog needs a better foundation. It needs more and more and more exposure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It needs to be pounded with exposure. That makes sense. Wow, that's so cool. They, and they learn themselves. Really, we only can teach them so much. They learn the rest on their own, right. doing the real deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from experience and doing it and being out there and working. Just yep. how we learn anything. Yeah, to be a I mean, veteran or whatever we're doing. Yep. I wonder if they can tell, like, this blood belongs to this track. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, they can, Eric. Yeah. That would be cool if you this, could talk to him for a day. Like, this will blow your mind. Everyone? Think about this. Let's say, you, you you know, in most of the Midwest, this can't happen, but let's say you've got a, a feeder in Texas, and there's 50 deer around this feeder, and a, a deer gets shot around that feeder, and there's no blood. That dog walks in and walks right to the track, and started that track where that deer was shot and follows that deer out of that feeder. Yeah, how does it do that? Smells that track. I don't know. Pretty crazy. How, I does, don't know. how does a wolf <laughs> pick out the, 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 the sickliest or the weakest elk in the herd? And they'll, they'll laser focus on them. They'll peel them out from the herd and then they'll eat them. They're giving something <laughs> off that's there. Ooh, I'm going to yeah. get a wolf. What's that? I'm going to get a wolf. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> have you ever seen one of the, like in the wild? No, it's freaking huge. I never have either. I know they're big, but I, do guys? Is there any guys that have like wolf mixes that do blood tracking? No, it'd be too wild. There's been talk about training a coyote, but but a really good point about coyote. Coyotes aren't used to tracking 24 hour lines. They're used to getting on a deer right away, and I because they're hungry. That's there for them. Yeah, I just you know, I don't know. I feel like no, you I, don't wanna, I don't know. <laughs> you want to go nuts on something, don't you? No, I just no. I, I definitely I don't want to cow it in my house. I can't barely have 
you know. How feral, man. They got to be so fucking feral. Um, all right, moving on. Taylor Whitman, shout out to you, big supporter. Um, so we kind of covered this. How hard is it to train a dog for deer tracking? Um, a scale one to 10, how hard is it? If, it, if you got it just for a nutshell. It's not rocket science, but it, it, it takes effort. Yeah. Anybody can do it. It's, it's how much effort and in, in how much time you want to dedicate to it. So it's scalable per person, per dog, pretty much. Like, what are you willing to put in? Pretty much. Cool. You know, I would say six or seven out of ten, most people can have the ability to train a dog. It's whether they want to. Right. And the other, the second half to her question is, uh, how does the scent differ from a normal deer going about its own business and a wounded deer for the dog track? Awesome question. We just touched on it. A trained tracking dog, a veteran dog, a finished dog shouldn't have too much problem differentiating between a deer that he thinks he's going to catch up to and one that he's not. You know, it's sort of a, uh, I guess it's a saying, I guess, among some of us, is that my dog was telling me the deer was dead. Well, he, was, he didn't turn around and say, this deer is dead. Yes. He's doing it by, he's, he's communicating to me by his body language. He's telling me that we're going to find this deer. He's very focused. He's not marking. He's always nose down. He doesn't care what I'm, I'm you know. He's into it. He is into it. A hundred. Laser focused. And like 10%. You said. Zone. And we're probably going to find this deer. Now, if he's lollygagging and if he's looking up this way and he marks in this tree, I can almost turn around to the hunter and say he doesn't like it. Mm. But I can't do that because, like we were talking about before, it's a hard sell to begin with. And if I turn around and say, my dog's telling me your deer's not dead, it's like, oh, how do I sell that? Right. Yeah, right away. <laughs> too. Yeah, yeah, right. So this guy's an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get, I get that, though. It makes – because, again, if you don't know, you don't know. That's true. But – that's why we're doing this podcast too a little bit. You know, it's like yeah. an education. I mean, we're, I'm learning a shit ton. Oh, for sure. One of the coolest things for a new team to discover is when their dog finally gets it and they see that on the track themselves. They're like, holy cow, man, she was really focused and she never lifted her head. And all of a sudden there was a deer. And I'm like, your, your dog just told you what she looks like. Yeah, you kind of clicked with your dog and it's yeah. that's interesting. Yep. Very cool. It's a hundred percent real. I mean, hunters think it's we're full of shit when we say it. It's not. We're. We I get it. that though. It makes perfect sense yeah. from what you said, I, man. You know, you're like perking my interest pretty hard, man. Like I can see, like if I ever get burnt, like kind of what you were saying, like I can see this being like the next almost level of like uh, like being involved with deer hunting, but you're involved in the fun of the recovery, which is mostly yeah. the. the funnest part at certain points you know there was like how you are when you find a deer right i i walked up on 47 deer last year that's cool guys high-fiving hugging i mean everything that we do around it you know have you ever had a hunter kiss you uh, um yeah i figured so. how big was a deer uh not very big oh, oh, okay <laughs> not big enough to get smooched on apparently. Um, there was uh, <laughs> you know, i've been kissed and hugged and thrown up on and Thrown up on oh, yeah. yeah. Going out with Doug? Deer or what? <laughs> no, no Doug mean, falls asleep in the middle of the, yeah, Doug the track. Doug asleep on him. Wake me up when you find him. He has narcolepsy, so we're dealing with that. But, Interesting. Um, it's a process. It, Kissed and thrown up on. Be Being able to, to do what we do and walk up on deer that we get to walk up on and see guys' reactions and how grateful they are, and that's... A lot of really that's and what that's, it's about. And honestly, that's one of the best things about like your buddy calling you, like, hey, you want to go on a deer track? Like... Yeah, because yeah, I don't yeah. think how many times you find a deer by yourself and you're like, uh, oh, wait, there ain't no one back there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. But I yeah. will to say, share though, that moment with, though, 
be careful with buddies on your track. And I, I'm, I've got a sort of a saying that, and it holds true every single year. Buddies and blood will cost you your deer. Mm. Buddies will convince you to go too early. You know you shouldn't go in there. And a buddy's going to come over with a case of beer and go, let's drink a couple beers. Let's go. Let's go. You want to go? And you know you're not supposed to go. But you do anyway. Well, let's just go see what the blood likes, looks like. You're done. Because mm. once you get there and you're going to, well, you going to stop and you're going to peel off blood and come back, yeah. you're going. And yeah. all of a sudden, oh, I think we just jumped him. Yeah. Mm. Uh oh. So be careful with the buddies thing. Yeah, no, that's smart. Very smart. Yeah. Um, thanks, Taylor, for the question. Uh, Hunter Hook, best best breed for tracking. Can you train a German Shepherd to do it? You definitely can train a German Shepherd to do it. Best best dog. I don't. There is none. Yeah, we kind of covered that, but that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, there is none. Cool. Thanks, Hunter. Uh, Bob Miller, is it true dogs can track without a blood trail? I've read dogs can track from the scent pheromone left from the interdigital gland when that particular deer is hit, wounded, and can differentiate that part from the rest. True or false? Jeez, good, good thing Doug wasn't reading that one. Thousand percent true. Thousand percent true. Yep. Thanks, Bob. We kind of covered that already. Yeah. Blood uh, tracking is definitely a misnomer. It should yeah. be deer tracking. It's not blood tracking. We don't need blood to track. See, okay. I like that. Uh, Ben Bailey, um... So this, I'm just reading them. So this is what happens when we don't vet them. But I just, yep. I want to be honest and let people know that. Because yep. um, I just don't want people to think we're not answering a question. Sure. If it's like uncomfortable, it doesn't fit this like false agenda people there might think there might be. Yep. Um, I've heard that when it rains, the dogs actually smell better. Yet when people check trail cameras during the rain, it washes away your scent, which is, which is easy. So we've, we've covered that. We've covered that. Yep. Uh, but thank you, Ben, for your question. Thanks, Ben. Um so ben, the, ben, ben. the other ben, questions ben, ben, I couldn't ben. get pulled up on the computer, and I don't know why that is. So if I have to repeat the questions. Instagram on desktop, desktop is weird. It's very – actually, you know what? I wonder. Let me see if I can airplay. Oh, I can. Uh-oh. Look Technology. Oh, so. See y'all. This works. Um, might be tough to read. Let me see if I can do. Can you click on them? Um, trying to get. Okay, this will just this will work, right? Yeah. It's better. Than nothing. Can you read that? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Or is it tough? Yeah. No, I'm good. Let's start. What was the first question? The question about price is pretty interesting. Let, uh, let's start at bottom right because I think those came in first. Okay. And then we'll work our way up. Is that cool, guys? Yeah. Sure. Hey, guys, interrupting this podcast. Listen, we're only going to interrupt it once. There's only two commercial breaks in this whole show, but I think you want to listen to this. I'm just saying there's some people in here and people got to go to the bathroom. We got a veteran shout out on the way. And uh, my cameras are going nuts right now coming into this cold front. I'm sorry. Distraction. But um, big announcement. Big working class bow hunter announcement. Huge. Um, new partnership announcement. Um, we figured we'd do this into the mid-roll. Yep. Um, I know some people skip the intro. Um, Make sure you're listening. We have changed some things up with Working Class Bowhunter. We're very proud of this move. Um, and I, we're going to explain some things with this um, transition. It's a transition. Yeah. Yes. We have partnered with Dialed Archery. Uh, check them out, dialedarchery.com. It is bow sites, kick-ass bow sites, American-made bow sites. And that comes as probably a shocker to some people because um, we've we've been partnered with HHA for a really long time. We're very proud of what um, we've done with HHA. We're very yep. proud of that partnership. Mm -hmm. 
Um, still think HHA is a kick-ass company. Make um, great products. Someone yeah. asks, hey, what do you think of HHA? Go buy one. Yeah. Yeah, like for I'm sure. 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 Shot them for years. Love them. Um, love their drop-away arrests. They support our veterans. They're an American company. Um, nothing but positive things to say. So to clear any rumors, just because a com- uh, you know a production like us switches from one brand to another, mm-hmm. that does not mean that there's turmoil. There's none at all. Um, they're great people. Very proud of uh, what we're able to yep. do with that company. Um, moving forward, you know, it's um, we just had an opportunity to explore a partnership with Dialed and moving forward. And uh, our good buddy Scott Bakken is one of the owners and operators at Dialed Archery. Right. And uh, just getting in conversation, we had some ideas of things we both want for our, our brands um, colliding and things we could do together in the future and opportunities that will arise and similar mindsets and similar work ethic and motivation and stuff like that. And we're like, man, this let's do something. This makes sense. Yep. Um and I think it would be cohesive, and and let's go for it. Yeah. So we're shooting the new dialed Arxos. Been loving it. Um, I had it on my elk hunt, being banged against trees and everything on the side of a horse, and uh, it just it, it held up great. And looking forward to getting after it this whitetail season with the new dialed sights. Yep, I just got mine a couple of days ago, so I'm looking forward to getting it all on my bow and set up. Yeah, I just got mine sired in, and it's ready to go. Clint's been shooting one for several months now. And, uh, yeah, we're ready to get after it. Check them out at Dialed Archery. Um, we're going to work on getting a promo code, and there's some things coming in the future that we're really excited about. Mm-hmm. Um, Probably the best-looking bow sight you could get. I ever. Know, I think it's slicker than... They have dovetail sights. They have Picatinny versions. You can customize colors. You can do sight tapes on the inside or the outside. I chose mine to go on the inside. Um, that as well. Which I'll be honest, at first practicing, I was like, ah, I wish I would have done the outside. But in a hunting situation, when you're like set up on an elk setup and you think you have an elk coming in, you're always looking at the inside of your bow before you draw, not the outside of your bow. Yep. So then that's like where the big benefit was. So uh, check them out at dialedarchery.com. We're very excited about this partnership and what's going to happen awesome with sites. it. Awesome. So, um, yeah, hopefully you guys check them out, and uh, we're excited to bring you guys some more updates and talk about this more here in the future. So that's the that's the big announcement. Um, and moving on, you know, podcast brought to you by Scent Crusher. Um, you know, we're rocking. We actually we got a Scent Crusher closet coming for the studio, so when people come from out of town, they can uh, crush their clothes. And we got the Ozone Go, of course, the Room Clean, of course. Um, Everything's rocking these days. Clean out the smells. That's right. <laughs> It's hunting time. You got to clean yourself up. No more smells. Yeah, quit being so stinky. Podcast also brought to you by Trophy Line. Uh, Trophy Line is probably primarily known for their saddles. Yep. But I believe it's more of just a fucking hunting company now, yeah. man. They got a little bit of everything now. They got like headlamps, dry bags, all sorts of shit, dude. It's just crazy. Bow slings, everything. Bow cases. Bow cases. So um, I don't think they have bow cases. That's red line. Shout out to Redline, too. They have badass quivers yep. and stabilizers, too, um, which they sent us some, so it was very nice of them. Um, but our good buddy John Adams just took a full-time gig as the new, like... Uh, marketing director. Marketing director. What do they call him? Marketing director. Is it media director or marketing director? I think it's marketing. He didn't take Weston's job. Media. We'll go media. But um, <laughs> So that's cool. Like we're, we're even more tied <laughs> in with Trophy Line there. Um, really stoked about that partnership. Use code WCB at everything trophy line. Uh, if you're wanting to get into one of the new fanatic saddle setups or a platform or some sticks or whatever, whatever you're into. Um, and the podcast also brought to you by camo fire. Doug, what do I say about camo fire? You got to delete that browser history. Delete okay. it. 
delete that browser Tell history. Us. Don't get yourself in trouble, especially now during hunting season. Those guys will be... <sighs> Don't lose um, your days of hunting just because you left your browser up. Kendall and Marcus are coming into the studio the overlapping the first and second week in November. They'll be here for a week. Hell yeah. They're going to be hunting the ever-elusive whitetail. Son of a bitch. So that'd be cool. Be cool to have them boys in the yeah, studio. Yeah. I'm excited for that. Be Check fun. them out. Doug, you got a veteran shout out? I do. Let me pull one up here. So this is submitted by uh, Dakota Harmada. And the veteran is Jesse. Oh, boy, he didn't help me. But I'm going to try my best. <laughs> La La Helen. He's in the ring corner. I'm going <laughs> to keep, keep moving on. Keep moving on. Jesse and I have met probably about two, maybe three years ago from mutual friends. As he did my Euro mount on my first deer for me and a few beers deep, we hit it off. Jesse is a bad motherfucker. As he was a 621 radio operator and a 933 marksman instructor in the United States Marine Corps. Dude got, dude got me into the WC podcast, was the first one introduced me to. Jesse is an awesome person that I look up to. I think he's been a true hero. And he is an awesome father of two. Dude has killed the biggest buck of his this year, 2021. Sorry, I'm late on this one. Damn, you're a year delayed on this? <laughs> no, he actually messaged me for this one, so. Oh, cool. Okay. I, miss, I'm, I missed it. On his first sit on public, dick. Yes, very much. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Put in that work, bud, and keep, keep slating those Hawaii, Hawaii deers. Oh, he's in Hawaii. Oh, by the way, nice saddle. Flamer. <laughs> Love I'll, to see it. I also like to says hunting archery experience. He goes, I don't know. He has it. <laughs> <laughs> he has it. That's Thanks for spending that Dakota. And uh, thank you for your service, Jesse. Yeah. Cheers. Thanks, Jesse, for your cheers. service. Thanks, cheers, Jesse. buddy. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for letting us interrupt and listen to our bullshit. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, Dakota. I told him I'd get to that one right away. So Okay. Well, we're there. We're, we're there. All right. Back to the episode. Sorry for the interruptions. Enjoy the rest. And I'm I'm gonna try my best to read Instagram names. They're all smashed together and weird and underscores and all that. Uh, James Struble, how many yards to wait before the call? What shot placement do you need to call instantly? How many yards to wait before the call? In other words, how how long you think you should track before you call a a, a, a tracker? Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's two part questions. Um, is there a shot placement? Do you need to call instantly? There's there's a there's some thought. Um, in the tracking community that if you get on a shoulder shot deer right away, you can actually run that deer enough that it's, it, it's going to run itself down. Really? Um, I'm not sure that I'm a proponent of that. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I'm, I'm not 51 years old. I'm not going to run a deer through the woods. Um, you know, we, we will track a deer that we have jumped, but I'm not going to chase one. Off-lead guys, shoulder shots, the deer's going to be found, going to be bayed, and probably going to be put down. Oh, really? Oftentimes, they do. Yeah. I mean, shoulder shot deer, if you can get on them right away with two or three dogs, the deer's in serious okay, trouble. Okay, can we break something down, too, while we're on the shoulder hit thing? Um, got some conversations in elk camp. I have, I've seen, I, I believe, deer and deer hunting kind of did something about, like, the, the, have you seen that video, the myth of no man's land? Yep. And and here's and maybe I'm thinking about it wrong, and I think I'm thinking about it right. And this is a perfect time, I think, perfect episode to break this down. So when deer, I think it was deer and deer hunting. I might be mistaken. You know what video I'm talking about? Where they I had think like so. the the uh, model biological yeah, the model. 3D model. 
Yeah. And the guy's like, there is no man's land. And he grabs the deer's shoulder and he removes it. If you look, the lungs go all the way up to the spine. Well, I'm like, the no man's land is the shoulder. Like, I think people think a misconception that the shoulder blade is down where the leg bone is. And it's up high. What is no man's land is what I've always understood. When you hit high, you're hitting that shoulder blade. Right. Okay. I th- I think when I hear no man's land, I think of straps. Okay. Back straps. And it's close. Above the spine. Oh, above the spine. And that's a nick. That's what I call a nick. That's a nick. I, I think a lot of people think that the spine of the deer is actually on top of the deer. It's not. It's well yeah, below. It sits down. You've, you've got all that strap sitting in there, right? And and as the spine comes forward into the deer, it drops way down. And that's that's the, mm-hmm. the, the spine when it drops way down. That's what the part that the scapula covers. Yeah. Well, um, to me, no man's land meant above the spine. But there's also people think there's no man's land under the spine. And that's the scapula. And over the lungs which there is no plural space. Yeah. In other words, the lungs take up the entire chest cavity. There was just a recent video. That where, video where the guy. Where was blowing into that trachea and blowing yeah. up them lungs. Well, the, the lungs actually will, will envelop themselves above the spine a little bit. They'll bulge above mm-hmm. the spine a little bit. Um, but I, I think there's a lot of controversy on what no man's land actually is. I've always looked at it as you hit that scalp, the shoulder scalpula. And you just don't get the penetration. Your arrow hits it and bang right into that shoulder, and you get a lot of blood for a little bit, and then it dries up. And a lot of times, the deer lives that's just what, like just like my kudu. Yes, that's yep. what I agree with too. That's what yep. I always thought. That's what no I was thought. Land was so when someone's like, "There is a no man's land," I'm like, "Well, I get if you remove the bones, there's technically not a no man's land." Yeah. If I, I think backstrap is a nick, you hit meat and skin mm-hmm. and hair. Yeah. I think that you, from a tree stand angle or whatever angle, when a deer reacts and you, oh, I hit him high in no man's land. You weren't aiming there, but a deer reaction might cause you to aim there, a duck, and you hit that scapula, and that's when your arrow goes, and then it, you get no penetration, and then it falls out, and you get good blood for a little bit, and then it dries up. Yep. Deer's either one-lunged or not lunged at all. Right. That's my perspective on what a no man's land hit is. Yeah. Well, that's a new one, That's and it's curious that you guys have that same, because I haven't heard that reiteration of no man's land yeah but what's it's a good thing to scapula hits do you recover a lot of them or no is that, no it's tough to get through a deer scapula yeah to get enough penetration to get into both lungs well i might be wrong in what i'm considering no man's land and that's i don't I think there's right or wrong no but i think people think oh i hit shoulder tuck it tuck it against that shoulder and that's a say we've say that, but it's re- you're tucking it against the leg bone, the leg, right? When you're yeah. going for a heart shot, and the crease is the leg bone, right? So I'm a huge proponent of getting away from bone, long, yeah. huge proponent of getting away from bone. Stay o- the the purposeful heart shots are unnecessary risk in my. Again, I'm speaking from a tracking perspective. If you kill deer, you know if if you kill deer with heart shots all the time, knock yourself out. Um, I'm not here to say one way or the other, but I'd rather hit the center of the lungs. I'd be actually, I'd like to be behind the leg a couple inches, right in the middle of the body. I get the greatest margin of error in all directions. And that my deer's, you know, if I double lung the deer, he's going to fall over in a hundred yards anyway. Yeah. Right. Versus 60. Well, you got to go another 40 yards. Okay. <laughs> but then we've seen hard shot deer go 500. That's right? crazy. That's so. wild. Well, yeah. James, that's a good question. Um, Mike, Irwin, 
I think it's I think it's good, but people have lost a part of tracking and rely on others to recover the animal. I don't really. I think that's more of just a comment. I I, I think from my perspective, I think hunters could do a better job of knowing anatomy and knowing basic. Um, uh, how do I want to say um, detective skills? Mm-hmm. Does the reaction of the deer match the blood that I have in the arrow? Do I think it's a long hit and all of a sudden I've got dark red blood? Where'd that dark red blood come from? Right. I think hunters need could do a better job for themselves by recognizing what they see and what it means mm-hmm. um, rather than, you know, I, are we losing tracking skills by using a dog? I, if you use one all the time, I guess. But if you need a tracking dog all the time, I, you've got other issues. <laughs> right. 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 Call the dog. Right. Um, <laughs> Very true. And, and, but I, I, I do Call track for, for colorblind guys, too. Um, particularly two of them. One is 70 years old. He's colorblind and he wants, you know, he calls me on every deer he shoots. Just, yeah, just okay. In case. That's, that's cool. He's five minutes from the house and it's all good. Right. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, what are you going to do? Let a, let a deer sit in the woods? You know, like we, we find a lot of deer 1,400 yards and we found four drops of blood. You're going to tell me you're going to track that deer? Yeah, right. You're exactly. not going to. No, there's no, no way. You're not. You're not going to know every zig and all. zag it makes. And, 100%. And, and you know what I wonder, too, is like, you know, we're big um, advocates for, for DeerCast, and DeerCast has that um, mm-hmm. that tool in it called DeerCast Track, and I think that's yep. very valuable Yes. Um, if you can see where your arrow hit and then a lot of the information with Tracker John and some of the other trackers on there, and uh, we got to get you hooked up with them guys that, for fun. some future tracks and stuff. I'm sure be they'd fun. be definitely open-minded to it, um, but... You know, I wonder, like, that's probably going to make a big call as, like, call the call the tracker or not from the rip. A lot of guys that have DeerCast are looking at DeerCast track before they even get down. Yep. yep. You know, I know I do, just to make sure. When in doubt, call me. Yeah, there we you can, go. We can even talk through it on the phone, talk through the scenario and say, I might tell you, go ahead and go in the morning. If you go more than 150 yards, turn around and call me. Yeah. Mark where you stopped. and Or if you run out of blood. You know, that's that's the biggest thing. If guys run out of blood, just... You're gonna look around because you don't know yeah. whether you're gonna run out of blood until you look and you can't find anymore, right? Right. Don't like branch out and grid search and don't call your buddies in and don't cover this ridge and don't walk down the creek. Just if you run out of blood, just get out of the woods and call me. Have you had it happen um ever where they can't find the deer and like your dog comes and finds it like forty yards? All the time. Every day. <laughs> that, every day. Every day. Talking that doe I shot last year. There's no blood. I could have swore I smoked her and we just couldn't find any blood anything and then like we were finally heading out and it was what 60 yards from the stand yep. yeah it's just like well that uh <laughs> that big deer on my uh on my facebook page that's what happened to those guys they tracked the deer for like literally all night long all morning and i finally told them on the phone guys get the hell out of there stop i don't care if you have to go to the bar until i get there <laughs> just, <pick> up. <laughs> he goes well we're, we're at the fence we ran out of blood anyway i said cool just please stay out of there please yeah and sometimes you have to beg with these guys, right? Yeah. And then I get People there. People are excited and everything, yeah. you know. Diesel goes 120 yards in about 90 seconds. And there, I got your deer. I'm like, no way. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Nine seconds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a framed picture of Diesel in that trophy room right now. Oh, yeah. Just like, this is oh, all right. That, that deer was a monster, too. Yeah, yeah. it looks like a stud. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, this, is, this guy, uh, Chessmore13. What are the percentages of finding a wounded deer? Gut shot, muscle hit, high, low, et cetera. Kind of. Gut shot's big. They're going to die. Muscle hits, they're not going to. Um, I'd rather hit a deer low than high, I think. 
Gut and liver hits. I mean, uh, the deer is going to die. It's just a matter of is it where we can find it. Yeah. Um, that's good to know. That That's a confidence builder, I think, for a lot of people. Uh, put it this way. If you talk to with, uh, with a tracker and, and you have a legitimate liver or gut or intestine hit deer, we're going to your track pretty excited. You're gonna we're find probably going to get some pictures taken, right? Very now, good. Good. To I hear. like that. Yeah, I like that a lot. But at the same time, it's not a guarantee either because there's liver and gut hit deer that we do not find. Mm-hmm. Either they're not dead, they went someplace where we can't go, bottom of the lake, cross the river, out of the neighbors, who knows. And then there's the fact that dogs can have bad days, and I can have yeah. bad days and pull them off, and I'm the idiot that, that screwed it up. Mm-hmm. So, but liver and gut hits are, and intestine hits, they're going to kill the deer. Yeah. Period. It's just, it's a matter of when and where. And like being in Illinois too, do you run into a lot of it where like you can't go on the neighbor's property? 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So in Iowa, can you take your dog on the neighbor's property? I don't believe so, but I don't know. Don't take my word for that one. Because we can go, as long as you have a weapon with you. The hunter can go. I would imagine the dog and the tracker can go then too, but that's check your local laws for before you do anything stupid. Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) But no, in Illinois, I can't go where you can't go. That's very fair. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, This is kind of a different one. Uh, Basically, Matt Shaw, 94, um, what tick prevention um, or other disease prevention for tracking dogs? That's a good question. Um, Well, I use a product called Vector 3D. It's a topical, um, and it's fleas, ticks, mosquitoes, flies, all that stuff. It's it's pretty good stuff. But there's some neurological issues with all that flea and tick stuff. And I notice when, you know, because in the wintertime, I don't don't put it on him. But when I do put it on him, I notice a change in him. Really? Yeah, and I try not to. I know it's bad, and if there's any vets like listening or whatever, but I try not to to do it all the time. To be honest with you, and I take a chance on doing it. But you know, he's like tick vaccine, and we do the best we can. But is that, like, all, is that like the gel stuff you put yeah, in your hair? Yeah, See, we we never had luck with that with any of our dogs. And really, we had the they have like a little chewable one. Oh, worked awesome. You know, the Bavarian Mountain Hounds they're prone to seizures, and there's been a couple mm-hmm. dogs die from tick medication fleeing tick meds so all of us in the community are like scared to death to yeah yeah you know it's but if your dog gets a ticking are you going to come through all his hair every time is it got to be hard he's got some pretty short hair but we find ticks on him not regularly but once in a while we do find a tick on him and yeah that's par for the course with what they're doing um right so this is a a good question there, there's two actually uh dominic asked Three the questions. same question twice here uh well not twice but are you what's a fair price that a tracker would ask and then are you expected to tip if if so how much well here's another big big misnomer there are teams that charge a flat fee there are teams that charge a flat fee and a recovery fee and there are teams that are take tips and then there's teams that refuse everything it's all personal preference and i can guarantee you 100 percent take it to the bank what a team charges does not dictate whether they're good or bad. Hmm. If I know, I know a team that takes zero money whatsoever, that has one, and, and he's been tracking for 40 years, Al Sherman in Indiana, he refuses to take a dime, and he's, you can't call in a better team. He just loves doing it. He just loves doing it, and he's got the means to do it. So it's like, you know, he, he refuses anything, but if you've got a jar of honey or some cookies... Yeah, he'll, you know, he'll take yeah, that. Yeah. But case a little of beer, barter. 
But then, you know, when we've got other teams in, 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 in the state that charge $300 and they're absolutely 100% worth every single penny. Um, I think and, a lot of guys would pay $300 to find their deer. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, I for, would. for the most part, but but it leads into, you know, I take tips. I don't charge a fee. I never have. I don't anticipate I ever will. Um, but I don't want somebody not calling me because they can't afford me. Yeah. yeah I would fair. rather find their deer, right? I mean, you know, if a family is struggling and the 16-year-old boy goes out and shoots a doe he can't find and she, and the mother's on the phone telling me I can't, you know, I, the last guy wanted $150, I'm coming out to track your deer. We're going to find it. That's, That's awesome. very cool, man. That is awesome. Right? So, yeah, it, shout to you for that. You know, so, but but the big takeaway for hunters there is just because a team charges does not mean they're better. Right. There are teams that charge a lot of money that couldn't find a bacon sandwich in a phone booth. <laughs> it's, it's the honest truth. Yeah, I'm going to start using that. Yeah, that's, that's, great. A, that's a very Eric saying. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's good. And there's Glad and there's teams that thing. that accept tips that are just absolutely lights out. And and it's 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 the other way around too. There's teams that charge a lot of money. They're absolutely worth it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You, you have to know your your tracker. Yeah. And, well, this is why we're doing this podcast. The guys are you know a lot of guys and gals can learn from this. Um. So uh, Keaton asked. Uh, what's the percentage of finding the deer if people have been on the trail first and failed? Depends on what you've done. Um, it definitely muddies up the waters um, because what happens is this: every all the scent that's coming off of that deer, when you walk down that trail and track that deer, it's on the bottom of your boots. Everywhere you walk, that deer walks. Um, if you, you know, if you're tracking a deer, I, you know, I'll always tell hunters to stay off that blood trail. Walk to the side. You don't have to be on top of it to see it. Just walk to the side and pay attention to where you're going. Um, think of think of an open field that's covered with snow. It's a huge field, 40-acre field, right? And there's one set of tracks going across that field. That's what an undisturbed scent trail looks like to a dog. Now take a rugby team and practice on there for an hour. There's tracks everywhere. That's what a grid search or a tracked up deer or scent trail looks like to a tracking dog. Damn, it's a good it's analogy. everywhere. I mean, you can see all the footsteps. They smell, we see. Look at what they have to wade through. Yeah. Yeah. How bad do you want your deer? Stay out of the woods and just call us. Wow. I'm not saying don't track your deer, but what, what we're saying is, is be smart about it. Visu- you know? Visualize the smell almost. Yep. And that's what I've always like practiced that too to walk off to the side because you never yeah, know if you have to go back side. and find blood. Yeah. Dude, I'm bad at that. I'm not gonna lie. Like I, I'm, I will, okay. I don't want to say I'm bad at it. Like when I track deer, I I I'm on the trail, but I'm going super slow. Like I'm not progressing until I find blood. So I'm good at that point. But I, I noticed in Africa, Stewart walks to the side of the trail, and I'm like, oh shit. I need to, like, I just took note of it. I don't know why, but I've always just walked off to the side. Smart. It's very smart. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I'm wanting to be, if I'm finding blood for me, I'm on top of it looking. Right. So. In case it turns bad, preserve all the evidence that's there and give the dog a fighting chance. Very smart. I, I tell people that diesel is your best first option and a very poor last resort. If you're calling me after a day and a half and your buddies have been all over the place, I'm not. I'm not going to tell you that we're going to find that deer. Mm-hmm. You've you've made it exponentially harder. Yeah, yeah for sure. Now, if you run out of blood, and you track your deer. Run out of blood. Be smart. Mark last blood. Mind how you get out of there, and be honest with me about what you did. 
I really like the odds of finding a deer if it's dead if you do that rather than, oh, let's just go up here down to the creek or let's just go over this holler. And like, a lot of guys lie to you. Yeah, probably hard to get a lot of honest. They don't want to admit failure. To, yep. Okay, so here's the big thing. And we, the, the, the trackers wrestle with this all the time, is we beg people, just be honest with us. We're here to help you. We're here to find your deer. We want to find your deer almost as bad as you do. I, trust me, I want to find your deer almost as bad as you do. Um, but when you're not honest with us about like, when was the deer shot? Um, what you did after the track, what the deer did. I think there's some misconception of, you know, if, if you mention a liver and gut hit to a tracker, they're going to salivate and they're going to be here. Even though I know I stuck the deer in the shoulder, I just want them to come out. Oh, that's what you're saying. Right. And I think, I think some hunters are getting savvy to talking with trackers and what the trigger words are. Um, you know, if they say shoulder hit, they're going to get turned down by some trackers. Right. But if they say, oh, I think I hit liver, guess who's coming? Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing. <clears throat> and I'm not, everybody wants to find their deer and they want to find it right now. Um, by being honest with the tracker, not just me, you're giving yourself the best odds of finding your deer. And that's the end goal. Right. Um, if you call me, Kurt, if you call me and say, hey, I know we screwed this up, but I know this deer was dead and I thought he was just over the hill and all of a sudden we're 900 yards into this and I got three guys with me. I'm sorry, what do we do? I know what I'm walking into. Right. You're, I can, not, you're not blindsided when you get there. I can look at Eric and go, did you walk over here? Yeah, that's me. I pull the dog off and we go the other way. Instead of letting my dog bust his butt for 900 yards with nobody telling me behind me, that's where Jim walked. Right. Yeah. Right. So here's the other part of that is that once your dog gets enough experience and you can read your dog, you get after last blood and your dog's going east, west, north, southwest, coming back. I know what happened. Yeah. You can read it. Just I know what happened. You grid searched and you yep. didn't tell me. Yep. So it it's real simple. I just type in Kurt's number on my phone and go, liar. <laughs> Kurt Liar. It's well, just like telling Kurt your doctor Liar. that you don't eat fast food and you walk in with man tits and he's like, Come on, bitch. Uh, I know you ate a Big Mac yesterday. Kurt so so Liar when you guyer. when when you call and I know you were probably dishonest with me and a lot of buddies will will rat them their other buddies out. Oh yeah, Jim was walking over here and you can almost see it on their face, go, Oh shit, I said that. Yeah. Um <laughs> you know, it's not like I'm not gonna come, but if I've got a choice between that and, if, and somebody that was honest with me, I'm going to the honest person's yeah, track. It's, sure. it's worth your time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's being respectful really. But a lot of guys, you know, like it's a pride thing, kinda of what you yeah. mentioned, Eric, yeah. you know, don't want to admit their failure and they don't wanna like it's just So here's the other thing too though with that. Hunters that aren't honest, like for an example, about when they shot the deer, because all of a sudden they can sit for like three years to, tr- to kill this deer. They can hunt for hours and hours and hours to get an arrow into the deer. And once they arrow the deer, it's like all their, all their patience and all their, their common sense just went out the window. And now they got to go get it, right? I had a hunter last year blatantly lie to me about when he shot this deer. Said he shot it in the morning, so we set up a track at night. Um, so he didn't call me until like three o'clock in the afternoon. See, I shot the deer this morning. I, I looked a little bit, whatever. So make a long story short, I bring my dog into this track at night. This deer was shot three hours ago. I'm not tracking this deer three hours ago that was shot three hours ago in the guts. Cause he's probably not dead. And we're doing this at night. Now you just put my dog in jeopardy and me in jeopardy. Yeah. Mm. 
that's not cool. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, so when it comes to, what you know, situations like that, it's just be honest with your tracker. We're, we're going to do a much better job if we know what you did and didn't do. You're not here to judge. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah, I, I, that, that's just it. And, and as far as me, you're here I'm, to make your job easier. I'm coming anyway. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it, bottom line, shit happens sometimes. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. you, you don't think clearly when you got a 160 yeah. inch buck in your mm-hmm. face. You know, you make weird decisions sometimes, and that's okay. Yep. It's not okay all the time. It shit happens. Yeah, we're, we're, we're human. Yeah, just tell us. Yeah. We can fuck up. So yeah, if I like, sure. shot. I got shot like a buck, like at 4 p.m. And I call you that night. You're probably like, I'll be in the morning. See you in the morning. Yeah. Yep. For sure. That's not, fair. Not three hours. Look at <laughs> look how much ease you had. The big dog's coming in the morning. Doug's going to sleep. Well, and that's going to make yeah. people sleep a lot better because, you know, for sure. now you have someone else depending and you're not sitting there pacing back and forth in the kitchen going, fuck, do I go after it now? Yeah. Do I wait till the morning? Which I do. <laughs> you're, yeah. you're still going to pace. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're, oh, right. Yeah. Dude, but, that pacing is hard, I guess. Yeah. Um, where are we at here? But I agree with you. I, definitely. It's, 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 it's a, an ease of mind. Yeah. Thing. Yeah, like, for sure. At least I'm getting help. Um, this is, uh, not really a question. It's more of like a, a thumbs up. Uh, Macaulay Ruet, Root, Ruet. Um, if a deer is wounded, the hunter has an obligation to do anything possible to recover. Pro dog. Thumbs up. Awesome. Um, gas 81 is a deer... Is the deer with dogs the same as rabbits with dogs, where the dogs will circle the deer back to the hunter? Can't speak to that in uh, awfully an awfully tracker be able to speak to that. But what we do see fairly often is a deer, what we call a J hook, right before they die, um, they will make a little a little hook, and we think what they're doing there is setting themselves up. They're going to put their nose in the wind. They're going to look towards their back trail if they can to watch who's coming behind them so they can watch their trail in. And then as soon as they see you walk in, they are out the back door. So we, we often see if, if we're tracking in a straight line a lot and all of a sudden we, we start hooking, we'll start looking for a deer cause it's close. How big oh. on average is that hook? Are we talking a hook of 20 yards of a hundred yards of 50 yards, 20 to 50, 20 to 50. Interesting. That's inter- I didn't know that either. I didn't either. That's another thing, I mean, just to look for, too, when you're out. If you got good blood, you know, you might find that J-hug and be like, yep. is it deer that are hit back, typically, that have the time to think about the hook? Because I know a lot of times if you double lung a deer, he's probably running right to his death on the trail and you don't have time to hook. Yeah, and- I, I don't know if I can answer that. I, I don't have enough data or experience to, to answer that yeah. truthfully. I don't know. It's interesting, though. Um. And B Kraut sixteen. Uh, we kind of cover this a little bit. How do you get started training the dog for tracking? Good dogs for tracking. Um, lesson along the way. Find a find a dog you like and and work. Put in the work. Put in the work. That's with anything, right? Yep. Yeah. If you want to be successful with anything, you you have to work on it. You can't have a great tracking dog by hoping you have one. Right. What a great uh, a lot of great questions for sure. Yeah. I think very valid. Uh, questions there let me uh, see what we got here stop mirroring that worked good actually i hope to do that more often um i I do i think there's just so much to learn from this podcast and so much to tap into and i think we cut we did a pretty good job of covering a lot of it is there certain things we haven't covered you feel that are 
are definitely worth hitting home. I mean, we can definitely do more. Definitely know. don't lie to your tracker. I mean, he would. <laughs> yeah, don't, <laughs> don't lie. It's like lying to your doctor. He knows. Well, here's you know here's something else too to keep in mind is that, and I'll go back to it. I I, I think I really hammer this point home is I think hunters need to be more educated about the shot, what a deer's reaction means, what the blood looks like, where is that blood typically coming from. Um, just because the blood's got bubbles in it does not mean it's long blood. Just because you've got dark blood doesn't mean it's come from the liver. It's it's looking at the physical evidence. What did that deer do mm-hmm. after? Um, you know, and I, I think hunters could could really benefit from that right there because I get I get you know I said well what did what did the what did the deer do after it was shot? Well, I don't know. It ran off. <laughs> okay, I mean, I, I mean, it's a, it's it's it a legitimate it question. If, wrong. If, yeah, noted, noted. Okay, <laughs> if, if you're not, you know, sort of conscious about what to look for. So last year, not to talk about me, but last year, I, there was uh, first week of November. I'll make this short. There was a, um, I did three tracks in the morning. Bang, bang, bang. I think we went two for three. Diesel needed a rest. I walked in the house at one o'clock. My wife works from home and. I told her about the tracks, and I said, I'm shutting my phone off, and I'm going to the woods. I just want to sit in the tree stand. I want to enjoy my the, the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we had a track that's scheduled that night. And uh, um, and, and I don't hunt anymore. I, I seriously do not hunt anymore. And I just I took my bow with me, and I hung it up in the tree. I literally turned my phone off. And, of course, I looked to my right, and here he comes. And I'm like, oh, geez, that deer's big. Um, 180 inch deer. Holy Jesus. Cow. So he gets, he comes out of the Creek. I shoot him at 20 yards and I did not see the arrow and I typically see the arrow, but what the deer did at the end was he jumped, he ran 20, 25 yards and stood there motionless. I'm like, either you're going to fall over or I hit you back. Mm-hmm. And he stood and he stood and I'm like, he's not falling over. And I had shot that deer in the liver. I can see it. You know, I can't see the entrance and the exit, but I'm looking at his body behavior and all of a sudden he's standing there facing away from me and he's just quartered enough where I can see his mouth open. As soon as I saw his mouth open, I said, hundred percent, nothing's a hundred percent, 99% liver shot. I need to get the hell out of here now. But the problem is I'm in between it's me, the deer and my house. I can see the smoke coming out of my um, wood stove at the house. So I, it took me about an hour and a half to climb down and get out of there go across the river and have my buddy pick me up somewhere else because I didn't want to bump the deer. Right. Well, the next morning I come back and he's not there. And I'm like, oh, no, did I bump him getting out? Of course, we start diesel and 10 minutes later, he shows me the deer and he was still alive. He was bedded. He couldn't get up. I, you know, backed the dog out, put another shot at him, and it, it was over. Mm-hmm. But that liver shot deer was, was dead 16 hours later. But not knowing the hit, I knew what the hit was based on the deer's reaction. I didn't even look for the arrow. I didn't look at blood. I didn't look at anything, but I knew what to do because of the deer's reaction. If you read that deer. So I, I think, you know, a lot of people would, you know, track that deer that night. Because they saw him with his, yeah, yep. mouth open, staring yep. there. It's like, oh, it's a dead deer. Yep. And then, you know, if you would track that deer that night, he's in the next county. Which most people probably would have. Yep. Yeah. For sure. So I think if I'd you become more of a student of the game, I think you're going to recover a lot more deer. How, how far did that deer run from where 150 yards. That's all? Short. Because you gave him the time to lay down and not bump him. If yep. you would have bumped him, it probably went a long way. Long way. Most liver and gut hit deer and intestine hit deer will die in their first bed. And that first bed is generally within 300. Um, and sometimes they'll bet even closer. If you allow them, I tell people this all the time, they know they're hurt, they know they're screwed, they know they're going to die. 
they want to get to a place because they're feeling bad. They want to get to the place where they feel safe and they're going to bed. If you don't disturb them, they will die there. If you disturb them, now they know they're being pursued yeah. and they will leave. Yeah. Kick into survival point. mode. 100%. I think that's what happened with that buck we couldn't find. I think so too. Because he definitely bedded big pool of blood after that. With the couldn't, arrow. Couldn't, with the arrow sit, laying there in Se- his bed. You're talking several years ago. Several years ago, yeah. yes, yep. yes, yes. We should have waited. Yep. We should have waited. I got antsy. I called him. Hey. It was a middle, while. Middle of the, we uh, waited probably, I don't know what it was. Five Eight hours? Five, six hours. I got one for you. Um, and then laid in his, his bed was there. Arrow was in the bed. Mm-hmm. And I think we just went no in too early. And then there was not a single drop of blood after that. Yep. It would have been nice to have your number at that point. If, if you learn anything from talking with a tracker or multiple trackers, it's hunters track too early, period. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For, I would agree. Well, this will pop up. 100%. Because I do it too. Because you have to have that deer. Right? Right. right. Drives you nuts. You made a good point. You go after deer for three years, all that time in the stand, and then... And, and Instead then of he, waiting, you just straight after him. Yep. I shot this buck here um, on the screen. It's hard to see. When I, I, sh- I shot him when I was pretty young. I was uh, 2000 and I just graduated high school. There's the shot. Well, it looks great. That deer. So I bat. This is one of those deals. And I, I might have bumped him on my way out young, not knowing which way he went. Um, I shot him, was unsure of the hit because it was getting pretty dark. I backed out and went home and had anxiety all night in, in camp. And then we found him like several hundred yards, but bedded up. And he kind of did that thing too. He hunched. And I didn't know if I caught him low or what, but to me, I thought it was a heart shot. But was he quartering towards you? No, he was about broadside, but I thought I hit him low. But it ended up being good. It was just one of those unexplainable yep. ones where we ended up finding him because I gave him overnight. We didn't pursue it. But I, I think thinking back now, I might have walked by him bedded and not known it mm-hmm. um, and then bumped him. Yep. Um, and then that's, I probably found him in his second bed, which was like another 100, 200 yards from where his first bed was. Um, when a deer gets bumped, I don't know if you can, if you know or can speak to it or if it's patternable. If a deer gets bumped in his first bed within 100 yards, do you know like typically how far they'll go for their bed again? Or is it, 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 it all depends on, on the deer itself, on how bad he's, he or she is hit, uh, whether a buck is in the rut or not. That buck on October 1st is not the same buck as he is on November 15th. <laughs> right. Um, the November 15th buck is full of testosterone, adrenaline, and what could have killed him in eight hours, he's still alive and chasing does 15 later just because he's jacked up and he's ready to rock. and he's, he's Almost zombied a little bit, yeah. Uh, yeah, 100%. So hmm. um, it, it really all depends. I mean, I've seen him I, I, thousands of yards, miles. If they think they're being pursued, they're going to get safe. But here's the other thing is I always ask, I try to always ask my hunters, is this a home range buck? Have you seen this buck before? Um, and I I asked your buddy that. Um, and I want to know, home range bucks tend to stay where they feel comfortable. Um, if it's a visitor, if you haven't seen this buck on camera before, most oftentimes if they're if they're headed out, they're headed back home. And oftentimes, home is not on your on your dirt. Yeah, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah, very good sense. Yeah, yeah. interesting, man. Lot to lot to take in on this episode. Um, I really enjoyed this one a ton. Yeah, I think we could do thirty more just like this and learn more shit. A lot of unknowns. I got a question. Yeah. Sure. How do you break the bad news? Yeah, it's a tough. It's, be, hey, listen. <laughs> hey, it's got to be like breaking up with your girlfriend. You know what I'm saying? So one of the things that I try to do with the truck, and you might, you might, you know 
remember this, but one of the things I try to do with the truck when I'm getting ready, but even before I get the dog out is what I want to do is sort of set expectation up front. Number one, don't expect Diesel to walk right to your deer. It's probably not going to happen. Yeah. Um, number two is, is that we're, this might be a three or four hour effort. We might have to grind this out just because the dog is here does not mean that we're going to find, you know, we're going to walk right to your deer in five minutes. That's not how this works. And then one of the things that I'll, you know, I'll go through is, you know, you know, Diesel knows, you know, he's going to give me clues on whether this, he thinks this deer is dead or not. And I'll look at the clues along the way and you and I are probably going to get at uh, the same conclusions at some point in time. We're we're probably going to have a a chat in the woods about what we think we should do. Do I think is, do I think Diesel's doing a great job? Do I think he's tracking? Is he having a bad day? Um, I'm looking at the sign involved, how many beds we have, what the beds look like. So at the end of the day, I can tell like, if I track for you, I'm going to tell you, hey, here's what Diesel looks like when we find deer. Here's what he looks like when we don't. So what I'm really doing is sort of trying to prime the pump a little bit. So the hunter looks at the dog and says, oh, he's he's marking on that track. And he was looking up. I don't think he looks too interested. Well, that's when he said we probably won't find the deer. I'm thinking the same thing. I'm just not turning around yet. Yeah, right. For sure. But that that conversation is is rough. Try it on a like a six or seven year old girl. Who's, oh yeah. You you have to turn around and tell dad, hey, I don't think this is going to happen. Yeah, that's a bummer. You know that's, what I would do? That's that brutal. Have you have you ever had anybody like pissed off at you? Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, they call your dog all kind of names and stuff. Oh, really? That's, yeah. That's me. Diesel, get his neck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he wouldn't hurt a flea. <laughs> you know what I do? I'd have like now. those little fireball shooters and like, you're going to need this. You're going to need this. we ain't fine. Hey, <laughs> relax. Hey, chill oh, out, we, bro. We, we even wind up in court and all that stuff. Oh, over, over for hours. real? Oh, for sure. Over what? Uh, if you can't, can't say it, you can't. Yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's, an active, it's an active case now, and I'm sure I'm going to be in court here before you know who you want us to trash let's get yeah. no they, um you know i mean easy some you know like we talked about it before i mean some guys poach and we don't know oh yeah oh, i've got, I've got permission got, to be over there we're picking up we're putting mm. fine i'll you know i'll go over there and i'll look on onyx and say hey hey who's john smith oh that's the neighbor that's who i got permission on so at least he knows who john smith you know i'm checking myself a little bit but you know, you find a deer for those people, and all of a sudden the DNR is knocking on your door going, hey, did you track a deer for so-and-so? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, oh, no. Here we go. Oh, yeah, shit. Right away. Yep. That can get messy. Big time. Okay. Fair, like, fair. Like threats on your life, threats on your dog, the whole nine yards. Wow. Sheesh. Yeah. Yeah, I Just can over, imagine. Over a deer. Over a deer that, that I found. Yeah. And, <laughs> right. I can see that. T- I mean... Like trail cams, man, are like the best blessing and the best curse that the hunting industry's ever seen, right? I guarantee you we've been on trail cameras before that we shouldn't have been on. But, but also like trail cams make like people feel like they own deer. Yeah. And then that creates like this turmoil that- You shot my deer. Yeah, it just snowballs into this, you know, thing. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like if I seen I somebody a with a deer, a, 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 a tracking dog on my property and I wasn't notified, hey, man, like- if someone called me, hey, man, I had shot a deer, it ran onto your ground. Do you mind if I go look for it? I got a tracking dog with me. I said, I'll meet you out there. We'll go look together. Yeah, I want to be yep. there. Yep. Yeah, great. I'd rather 100%. go with. Yeah, yep. come help. But if you don't call me, I get it. But also, like, it's you 
that's not your responsibility to know that you are expecting that How someone says, know? hey, I have yes. permission to be here. Yep. You have to, okay, he has permission to be here. You called me. I'm here to help you. You tell me you have permission. I have no reason you not have, to believe you. Right. You should tr- be able to trust that guy. You yeah. should, but should. again, we get either advertently or inadvertently, we get lied to, but it's the pressure about you got to find the big buck. You got to, you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like, you, and you'll do anything. You'll break the law to go get it. Yeah. And, you know, that's one of the biggest tragedies that we see, that I see on a track. And I, I kind of figure this deer is dead and we get up to a fence and, oh, we can't go over there. Well, call and ask. I, I'm, I'm honestly, I think this deer is dead, but it's a good, it's a good point in a track to have a conversation if you don't think it's dead because, hey, I, I don't think this deer is dead anyway. Even I wouldn't, wouldn't call the neighbor. We can if you want, but, you know, no, no, he won't allow anybody to track deer in that property. So he's going to let the deer rot? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Like, that's so disappointing. That is. It, is. it happens, though, man. What a bummer. It's not yeah. right. I had a neighbor call me last year, one of the first times. Ah, uh, no, probably second or third time. Hey, man, I shot a deer. Um, it jumped your fence um, where I, I'm like the land caretaker, I guess. Hey, can I go look? I said, yeah, man, I'll meet you at the fence. Let's go. Like, hey, you track the you tr- start on your side. I'll meet you on my side where I think you're talking, and we'll go look. Yep. You know, and it ended up being, yeah, I think you're in the high shoulder area or the scapula. And it turns out I was right. Thank God. But, you know, I'm like, man, it's, I just, it's not looking good. Yeah. Um, but we, well, it's cool. It's like we are cool about it. You know, right. like that's, we're neighborly. Like and now I know if it ever happens to me, I can call him sure. and he'll meet me at the fence and 100%. we'll go together. You know, and that's what's cool yep. about it. So, and even if, even if you're a non hunter and don't believe in it, you're still going to let the deer rot in the woods because right. you don't believe in hunting. That's even bigger waste. Yeah. But I don't think those people think right. They don't. Oh, I had a guy last year, boy. I I didn't, I thought we were going to jail. I mean, literally found his deer on his putting green in his backyard. Really? And and my hunter says, oh yeah, we got permission. Let's go. I said, are you sure? Because I stopped east of the road. I said, are you sure? He gets on the phone. Yep. Thousand percent. All right, let's go. Million dollar home, big glass gable end of this house and he's got a manicured putting green around this pond and there's the deer 160 inch deer laying like five feet from the cup <laughs> all in one and we're about a hole in one we're, we're, we're <laughs> high-fiving taking pictures and my wife my wife was with me and she goes house and i look up at the house and i hear this guy is storming out of his house and i'm like this is not good no and Ooh. he had his hand in his pocket and I'm oh like, boy oh no Shit. And I turned around the hunter and I said, "This is your deal, ain't mine." Yeah, and yeah. He looks pissed. Oh, and he was. Do you have a contract that you bring? It's useless. Really, you, you can't give me permission to trespass. Is there a contract though that says like you're a dickhead you and you lied to me? <laughs> and this is your responsibility. <laughs> oh, that that contract is on my phone and in, in your contact because I'll never track for you again. Yeah. I'm not yeah. going to put myself or my dog in that position. No, not, absolutely not. Yeah. It's not there, worth it. There needs to be, oh, man, I wonder if there's some sort of like, because you're a contractor. Mm-hmm. You're a contractor for hire, more or less, for this job that needs done. Is there for a s- service. Is there something that protects contractors? There's got to be some sort of contract somewhere that, do you know what I mean? You know what I'm getting at here? Like, if I hire a guy to demo this house and i don't own the house but i i claim that i do and i hire him and pay him and then i and then it's like oh fuck you just destroyed my house like well i was hired to do it <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> maybe that's a bad analogy it's a bad, it's, 
it kind of is a bad analogy. I'm just having a thought of like, yeah, I own that house. Demo it, but you don't own it. You're like, cool. All right, money in hand. Let's get to work. I, I think that there's, there's some teams that, that will have the hunter sign a waiver. Right. Saying, hey. Bad you example. Know. Sorry, Eric. But I know this is funny. But waivers aren't. The DNR don't care about waivers. They might sway an opinion one way or the other and saying, hey, I, you know, this guy told me that he had permission. I, I don't have any other choice. I, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. yeah. And I, he signed the waiver saying, yeah, you might, it might get you off, but ignorance of the law is not. You just yeah. can't not follow the law because, yeah. oh, I, Kurt said I could. Get, right. Okay, I'm looking for a loophole for you. Yeah. <laughs> I just figured there'd be something in there. You know. It's my house. Okay. <laughs> 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 Bad analogy. My bad. Yeah, you're living in your house and an excavator yeah. just shows up and starts tearing down your roof. Tearing off your deck. Um, okay, my bad. It, it made a good laugh, though. Yep. Yeah, there's a lot to uh, consider, man. But uh, but a lot of great info. Yeah, yeah for sure. I, I think our listeners are going to learn a lot from this. I know I learned a ton. Um, and if they need you this season... Um, Oh, they can my, find you. Go to my Facebook page, Diesel the Deer Tracking Dog. We can you can find us there. My phone number is there. And perfect. And yeah. if you ever come to the studio, the stickers on the beer fridge. Take a picture of it. I okay. told them. I said this is going to get so many people are going to take pictures of the sticker right here. They go to grab. Beer. Oh, that's good info to know. I'd love to see it. Because be because when you need it, you need it. And yeah. a lot of people don't know where to get it. Really. I mean, that's the newest business card. Is just taking a picture of a sticker somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I, I often joke. Sometimes we're like lawyers. We're you don't want to see us, but we're, you're we're you know you're glad we're you're there. glad you called. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's true. You're glad I called that guy. I'm glad yeah. I called that. I guy. hope I never need him, but you know, thank God he was there. Yeah, yeah. you know, it, it just I know you want to wrap this up. You know, no, one of the, dude, one, we can do whatever we want. One of the big things that I hear, you know, with with hunters all the time is, "Oh, I called you, you never called me back." Well, first of all, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. but tra- a, a normal tracking day. Is 12 to 14 hours long. We're on the road. We start before light. A lot of times we're coming home after dark. I get 30 calls a day during the rut. I get just as many texts and messages. And it's like, you know, you know, I've got three or four tracks lined up. I'll get to you when I get to you. And it's like, you only do the, so much. It's the best I can do. Yeah. And you're at home. You're completely exhausted. You got dogs to feed, laundry to do, boots to dry, equipment to charge. And you've still got 17 calls that you haven't gotten to. Mm-hmm. And it's daunting. You are exhausted. All you want to do is eat and go to bed. And you've got all these people that you're supposed to get back to. It's not, we don't do it on purpose, but a lot of us have, have said for a long time, it's like, I wish I could hire a secretary to screen calls and to, all that. to help us at least give a hunter, you know, Hey, I got your call. I can't get to you. I'm sorry. Sometimes we can't even do that. Right. Days Let's of the see. season. What percentage of them are you tracking? What do you mean in terms of you, like dates? Yeah, it could be well, one, like like one how many season, days out of the season? The like percentage of days out of like a three month season. Well, it will be hot and heavy the first week. There'll be a lull second, third week, the normal lull. Like, are you doing one a day? Is there a time where you'll do two a day and not one the next day, and then three with, a day the next day? With with one dog, depending on how the tracks go, non recoveries are much longer than recoveries. Our average recovery distance last year was five hundred and six five hundred and seventy one yards. Or 671 yards, somewhere around 600. Our average non-recovery distance was like 2,700 yards, so like mile and a half. So if if we're on a bunch of a string of non-recoveries, non-dead deer, my dog is going to be wiped a lot yeah. sooner than if we had bang, yeah. bang, bang. 
Um, if, you know, if we go 600 yards and we do it in 20 minutes, my dog hardly spent any energy. And if I'm on to the next track, I'm good. Mm-hmm. But three or four tracks a day is pretty much max for one. It's, it's pretty dog. impressive, though. Yeah. Even, like, that's more than I thought it would be. We miles and miles and miles. I start my dog in the beginning of the season five to eight pounds more than his tracking weight mm. because I know I can't put it on faster than he's going to lose. Right? Yeah, yeah. Does he eat a, you said a raw diet. Like, yeah. It's like raw meat? Yeah. Really? Yeah, I mean, it's a structured raw diet and it has nothing to do with tracking or drive or anything. That's all gluten free. Just for health. <laughs> gluten free. <laughs> <laughs> Vegan. Yeah. He's on that protein diet, bro. <laughs> yeah. I can get bison pretty protein cheap. Shape. We feed a lot of bison in, but it's a balanced raw diet. But, you know, he'll go from like, 20 ounces a day in the off season to 40 and 50 ounces during tracking season and fed three or four times a day. No shit. Well, I mean, he's burning four and 5,000 calories at 55 pounds. I mean, he's got to keep it on. And, yeah. Yeah. What's the hottest day of the year you get the most calls? Oh, that's. I was wondering if you knew. Like November 11th. Good info. No. Do, I you, w- do you log this info somewhere? Hunter, all of it. That's very cool. I would say first week of November when, when they when 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 the mature bucks finally start hitting daylight, um, that's first week of November. November fifth, sixth, seventh is smoking hot. Mm. Once once shotgun hits, it tanks. Mm. But that, from Halloween on, it's it's rocking. It's rocking. If, awesome. if you want to know when when the deer are going, call a tracker or text them. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to call you. Her text. Should I go to stay today? Yeah. 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 Very cool, man. Well, I'll do what I can to get you connected with DeerCast. If there's some deer oh, cool. tracking stuff you can throw in there, that'd be, be fun. Right? A lot of information. Yeah, fun. yeah I appreciate you doing yeah. this, man, and kind of educating yeah, our listeners and letting us know and, and basically uh, volunteering yourself to be bombarded this fall. <laughs> That's oh, okay. That's all right. <laughs> you, you can just be the WCB community deer tracking guy. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd be honored, but I, you know, you're, you're going to have to clone me, I think. Well, that's all right. You, have you thought about cloning diesel? I have thought about getting another dog and you know that that bond that you share with the dog that's what makes a tracking team a tracking team Mm -hmm. you know can i track with for example your dog yeah but nowhere near as well as i can if if we're a bonded pair for sure he's gonna die for me and he knows i'm gonna die for him that's cool man and and we're gonna go anywhere if diesel says we're going we're going Mm -hmm. how old's diesel diesel's uh uh, gonna be five he's young then yeah he's he's entering his his prime yeah, he is. He's rocking. Very cool, man. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. So it's, it's fun and it's, it's exciting at the same for time. Diesel. It's yeah. fun. We need some diesel. Like, uh, do you have stickers with diesel's face? Oh, he's on. He's on that sticker. I, isn't I he? do. I'm I'm getting a new logo made right now. It should be in on Friday. I, I'm going to have a, a a store open, uh, a oh, web really? store with some merchandise with the oh, new awesome. logo. So I'll have to get you guys some. And yeah, man, yeah, we'll rock it for sure. sure. And uh, we'll order some. I know you won't say this, but I'm going to say it. Tip your tracker. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, let you know. You should be able to get dinner on the way home for you and your dog and whatever else, and gas in your truck, and, and be be red blood American about it. Tip your tracker. Diesel You're coming like, out. Diesel likes that number seven from McDonald's. You know, when it's a hard day at work. Diesel wants cheeseburger. A <laughs> cheeseburger. <laughs> After a find, he likes his cheeseburgers. Okay, <laughs> yeah. that's fair. Get get Diesel a cheeseburger. Yeah. You know, hunters, hunters. I take tips. Hunters treat me good. I, you know, yeah, we get stiffed once in a while. It, it, it's okay. It's not a big deal. There's other guys that make up for it. At the end of the day, my expenses are covered. I got tires on the truck. I pay for diesel's vet bills. I pay for his food. We buy gear with it. I'm good. I'm yeah. not doing this to make a living, but 
you know, I appreciate you saying that. We work hard for yeah, our absolutely. I'm telling you, you if, if I call a deer tracker and I'm on desperate, t- I get some people are legitimately can afford their deer tags and they're hunting for their meat and that's what they yep. get. And I get that. And I'm sure people explain that to you if you yep. help find their deer and you yep. understand that as, as we all do. Um, you know, if I need help recovering a big buck, I'm going to pay what I'm absolutely able to pay um, on the recovery of that deer. And I think, you know, just do what you can for the service if you guys call a deer tracker and just uh, because, you know, but they're going to have to call you back maybe one day. And that's a good relationship to start on. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yep, for sure. And, and I end up giving, giving back money every year or two. Guys that overpay me. I don't if if we didn't do that amount of work, I give some money back. It's I'm not it's not what, I'm, what we're doing. It's called being a human. Yep. Be, being red blooded about it. Yep. And that's all you can be, man. That's yep. what uh, living living honest is about, I guess. For sure. Well, thanks for coming out, man. Yeah, thank, thank, thanks we, for we having really me. Appreciate it. It was a great I, podcast. I don't yeah. know if I've learned more in an episode recently than this one. I haven't. I learned so much shit tonight. Yeah, and, and, and we just touched on it, guys. Right. Oh, more episodes, man. Yeah, there's, there's other well, things we, we can talk about. We just about. tickled it. I hope I never have to call you. But I'll call you to come back and hang out at the podcast. Awesome. Yeah. I'd love it, man. <laughs> That'd be a good <laughs> It'd call. It'd be great. I'd love it. Thank you. Well, one one more time, where can people find it? We'll plug all this in the episode description, but just uh, plug everything you got. Facebook, Diesel the Deer Tracking Dog. All my information is there. That's the hub of what we do. Awesome. Cool. I thought you were going to get a lot of messages. This That's okay. Deer season. That's all right. <laughs> I told him not to read his phone number out on the podcast. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's on, on my Facebook, Facebook page. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's probably knowledge. It's get, one get more step phone. away. Yeah. yeah. They need two phones, like a rapper. Yeah. You know, and I will say <laughs> like to that, dealer. so there's, uh, I'm, I'm not the only game in town. There's there's plenty of teams out there that are just jam-up teams that can find your deer just as well as we can. So That's if there's point. another tracker in your area, and I, and I, you know, and if they if I think that they can do the job, I'm going to refer them to you first, and, you know, we can go from there, but... That's what it's all about. At yep. least yep. they're going to use you to tap into the community. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. You're, you're the gateway drug to deer tracking. <laughs> and if and if you're in Illinois, go to Illinois Deer Trackers uh, Network on Facebook, and you can find 28 of us the same way. Very cool. Doug, Eric, right. what you guys got? Thanks, Thanks for coming. That was yeah. awesome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah. You have to bring it. Diesel well, next time. Yeah. Oh, I, I can imagine. I, oh, boy. I don't know if he'd sit here. He'd be like, what are you guys doing just sitting I'd have to keep feeding him treats. <laughs> Get a steak right. for, we got a bunch of cheeseburgers sitting here and just boil them up. Oh, he'd be up on the table. You ever give him a beer? No. So let me real quick before we close this up. My grandpa always said, "Yeah, if you give a dog a Budweiser a day, it shines his coat." <laughs> I'm like, "Oh yeah." I use sardines. Really? Yeah. See, that's cool. He probably likes sardines. Like Budweiser. Yeah, frozen Budweiser, sardines. Budweiser and a sardine. I love sardines. God. Oh, I hate them. Oh, I can't so even good. stand to touch them to give yeah. them to them. I've you're never disgusting. had one. I've never had a sardine. Yeah, what? You're, you're gross. I'm never, I'll, I'll bring try. a can and I got like four cans at home. No, all do the time. Bring a but can. you eat them on crackers? No, I just eat them right out of the can. Oh, really? You'll yeah. sting up the whole studio. You ever eat the um, oysters on crackers? Hell, Canned oysters? The canned ones? Yeah, the little ones. Good. All the time. Those are good. You like them? Um, raw oysters? Yeah, good. Yeah, those are good. I've never had sardine. I'd do it, though. I'd try it. They're good. Not me. I had sardine on a pizza once, and I'm like, no. On a pizza? On a yeah. pizza? That's common. That's the most common. Sardines on pizza. No, yeah. it's anchovies, ain't it? Oh, anchovies. 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 That's what it was. Anchovies can suck ass. To well, that's opinion. fish. Right. What's the difference? I don't know. Between an anchovy and a sardine. It's like eating a bass and a freaking crappie. Both or eating good. a carp and a crappie. Oh, is that different? Yeah, I think so. It's all gross. All right. That's you funny. don't eat fish, though. To be determined. I'll bring a can of sardines in. Okay, I'll, I'll give one a shot. Okay. Ugh. All right. 
Okay. Thanks, everybody. You know what to do. Go shoot your bow. We love you. Later. Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois and the whole crew here at Duck Camp Dinners every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Birds up in the sky.